Do not adjust your radio dial. You are tuned in to the Mark Order Podcast. Join the Mark Order. And we're here for you on uh, Mark Porter Podcast. Ooh. Uh, happy free Thanksgiving for those who celebrate. Uh, we've got three man band tonight Ryan Funk, the. Oh, Double Gun, Hate the Squirrel, Lose the Squirrel, uh, and Aunt Money here on your pre-Thanksgiving edition of the Mark Weather Podcast. So we thank you for joining along with us. It's been a crazy week in the world of AEW, so we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, so we'll keep the banter brief here at the start. Ryan, are you ready for Thanksgiving? Are you preparing the turkey? I'm preparing the turkey, and I should be ready. Okay. Because I know know last year, I think we found out that you were the turkey prepper. I am the turkey prepper, and I have everything ready to go. I just have to actually put it in tomorrow. You just have to put it in. Exactly. Do Do you stuff the turkey? No, I do not believe in stuffing the turkey when I put it in. Really? Yeah. So how do you finish? What's that? Okay. Asian Joe, uh, any plans for Thanksgiving? You know, I, I'm going to some friends tomorrow, so I don't have to cook. Um, I, I just have to bring like a side dish and then... My family will do something over the weekend as well. So, yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, we are uh, we are just hanging out here tomorrow. We might go. Might. It's still sort of like we're not sure. Go do dessert with my family. But, uh, yeah, we're just hanging out. So, um, the dog's been going nuts because all she does, all she did today was smell the turkey as they were prepping it and then they took all the insides out you know like all the the guts uh as my son says and now they're you know like cooking them like in uh in water to make like turkey broth for soup and stuff like that eventually the dog is going fucking ape shit because she just smells food she doesn't get anything but she's going ape shit so and then uh, they do. And now are either of you guys parade watchers? Do you do the parade in the morning and then the dog show? No. This no, isn't. I won't be sleeping. This isn't the mummers, the mummers thing, right? That's. Fuck the mummers. What? I hate the mummers. Stupid. 
Ryan, that's the wrong thing to be saying in your area. I would say it to their face. I think they're stupid. Wow. Okay. But is that a Thanksgiving or is that just New Year's? That's just New Year's. Oh, okay. All right. So no parade watchers. That's fine. Just wondering, seeing what you guys do, what your traditions are. Monday night, I was on the Wizards briefly in the nine o'clock hour. Matt tried to get a Thanksgiving discussion going of what's your favorite, you know, what's your must have for dinner? Turkey. So, well, I mean, for that's for dinner, but like uh, a side dish or anything else accompanying the turkey? Mashed potatoes and stuffing. Mashed potatoes and stuffing. All right. All right. I'm with you there on the stuffing. I do enjoy a stuffed bird, though. No, I can't remember. Do you guys, when you put your, when you build your plate of Thanksgiving food, are you just throw it all on a plate and stack it up, or do you divide it up like so nothing touches? Or what's your game plan? So this year is going to be a little different for me. Uh, although last year I did it, I had had my surgery, um, but normally I just put everything on a plate. I sort of compartmentalize like, but at the end of the day, uh, gravy goes on everything. So it doesn't matter. It all just tastes like gravy. Mm -hmm. Fill up the plate and cover up as many spots as you can. I don't feel like getting up to that many times. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to, I'm going to get fatter as I, as I enjoy my Thanksgiving. Um, Real quick though, I want to say happy Thanksgiving to SJ. Well, she she wished us a happy. Well, she's a Canadian. She well, she must because she experienced the Macy's parade in 2014. So, like, that's that's uh that's celebrating. Matt uh, Scott George saying Matt was a little tipsy Monday night. Correct. Very true. And that's very true. And then I must answer Gordon Post's question of what is a mummer? Weirdo guys who dress up in Philadelphia on uh, New Year's Day in a parade. And they dance around to weird music like banjo playing. I'll, I'll find yeah, one for you. Always. They play banjo and then they like wear these crazy costumes. There is some, there is a reason for it, Ryan. And I've heard it before. I've heard Big J oh, Okerson talking about it, but I don't remember exactly the reason. Whatever the reason is, it's gone, long gone. Yeah. It's, it's whatever. Um, now, are you guys more sides people? As we're looking up the mummers, and I don't mean to do the cliche Thanksgiving talk, but we're on it. Are you guys more sides people or turkey people? I'm a side person. I, uh, sides. Sides, yeah. I, I used to love doing a lot of sides. Like I would just go ape shit with stuffing, but I can't do it anymore can't so i'm gonna stick to turkey again this year have a little bit of potato a little bit of stuffing it'll be good Hmm. but the bird so uh ryan i'm sure you know here you know like shop right i don't even know i don't even know if that's a coast to coast thing but shop right does the free you know you spend x amount of money during the year or you get points on your card or whatever and they give you the free turkey um, so we, since we're home this year, we were like, we'll get the free Turkey and, um, you could get, there's a mummer, by the way, that is true. Why? That was clear. 
Why isn't it clear? It was clear when I saved it. That's weird. It's okay, Ryan. I'm going to put you full screen just so that people can see. Uh, you get the idea. It's haunting. It's really weird that it didn't save clear. Yeah, they wear these bright costumes and play banjos and saxophone. There are some drums. Uh, and there's like buttons and bedazzled shit. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It is the stupidest thing in the world. I'm very confused. Um, but the free bird, I think they said you could get 12 to 21 pounds anywhere sort of in there. And I was like, uh, we're going as big as we possibly can. I was very proud to find a 20 pound uh, six ounce bird sitting there waiting. So we went right up to the limit, baby. I'm gonna have, <laughs> we're going to have turkey soup, turkey hash, everything. So I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, guys, I'm glad that uh, we've got Thanksgiving set. And why don't we dive in? Because the, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. The pay-per-view was Saturday, full gear. We did a preview show uh, that we put on Saturday. Uh, obviously, we weren't live. Uh, because there were a couple things that uh, were announced on Saturday, uh, or I'm sorry, Friday evening, uh, after we had done our pre-show predictions. So we missed a couple matches, but we're here to dig into everything that happened uh, and sort of go through the pay-per-view. We've all seen it. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would suggest you check it out. The action in the ring was good, but let's dive right in, guys, and and cover um, as much as we can. So in the uh, in the zero hour, we had Eddie Kingston uh, versus Jay Lethal for the Ring of Honor World Championship. And Eddie Kingston did win by pinfall with the back fist to the future to retain his Ring of Honor World Championship. Post-match, he grabbed the mic uh, up the ramp and cut a, a little promo telling us, you know, there's a lot of shit coming up, uh, so stick around or order the pay-per-view. And then called Stokely Hathaway a bald-headed bitch. Uh, so, uh, Eddie B and Eddie, um, I don't know guys, anything you want to call out about this match to me, it wasn't terrible. And I didn't think Jay lethal had a shot in hell. So, um, so mention, uh, uh, Ortiz and Eddie. Oh, that is right. I totally forgot. Fill, fill it in Joe. Now that you brought it up, go for it. So yeah, we got to see the, what looks like the reunion of, Ortiz and Eddie back on the same page when he came down and helped uh, help clear out some of the other interference on the outside from the uh, Lethals. I don't what what they called, you know, Team TNA. Right. Yep. So that is good, and we'll see what happens with that program. Yeah, that should be interesting. Um, and I mean, we, you know. I think we all got a match that we thought we'd get right. Like this was one of the ones that I think was announced late. So, um, so we didn't really talk about it in the predictions, but, um, you know, Eddie's hanging on to it. We will clearly find out what happens with this belt. We'll talk about it a little bit coming up about what they're doing with the continental, uh, championship tournament. Uh, but Ryan, any, anything special you want to call out about this match? If not, it's okay. I mean, it wasn't not, anything. Not this match. It, it, predictable outcome. Kind of just like an Eddie match. It, it was it was fine. Just kind of predictable. Sure. 
next up in the zero hour was Buddy Matthews versus Claudio Castagnoli. This was another one that was announced late. Uh, and um, coming to the end, Claudio Castagnoli did win by submission with the sharpshooter. Post-match, he offered a handshake to Buddy, uh, but Buddy did cold shoulder him and walked out of the ring. So it's weird. They're doing this thing where it's almost like Buddy's torn, but I don't know what would lead Buddy Matthews to be torn about sort of like House of Black versus anybody else. Um, I thought the match was perfectly fine. I mean, you know, Buddy Matthews is great. Claudio's great. It was a fine match. It really could have gone either way with the outcome. Uh, but I just don't know, like, where like, where are we going with this? Is this going to lead to anything else? I mean, I guess the BCC is sort of or could be feuding at some point with the House of Black. So um, I guess this could sort of be a start for that. But it just, I don't know. It was an entertaining match. I don't really have much else to say. I just don't understand what's up with the sort of like Buddy Matthews being torn about what to do here. Yeah, to me, it feels a lot a lot like, you know, the whole like Dan Garcia, like torn between being a sports entertainer or a professional wrestler. But in this situation, it's like, you know, Buddy, for some reason, torn between being spooky with House of Black or being like a really great pure wrestler. Yeah, it's just it, it's weird. Like Ryan, does this make any sense to you? No, I, I don't. Clearly, they're trying. I think start trying to start the beginning of a story. Uh, I don't know if I like the story, but it, it's clear. I think this was the first page of, of what they're trying to tell, which is like, you know, Buddy's torn. He, he doesn't know what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, maybe the story that they can sort of. If there is some sort of inner inner turmoil with the House of Black, maybe it's the fact that like, well, why wasn't Buddy the tag team partner chosen in the ladder match, right? Or like, why isn't Buddy doing more? Like, I, I don't, I just don't know what they're trying to do here. I think Buddy Matthews is great. I think Claudio's great too. I just don't understand sort of what they're trying to start with this story. But entertaining. I, I will say it doesn't to me also like um you know, you have Malachi and Broly as the tag of Kings of the Black Throne tag team, and Buddy is kind of the solo wrestler of the trio, but yet he's not the one who's in the Continental Classic. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, that's a great point, Joe. I actually never even thought of that. But it, it is weird, too, because it would almost, like, to me, it almost feels like Malachi's the solo, like the single star of the group, and Buddy... And Brody could be the tag team, you know, um, which I think is sort of initially what they were doing. So I don't know why the change now, but it is what it is. We'll see if this this evolves into something else. But for now, we move to our next match. Uh, and this was the last match of the Zero Hour. Um, and it was uh, the Guns, Austin and Colton versus MJF and Samoa Joe for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. So again, when we did our prediction and preview show, there was no uh, partner announced. It was still a mystery. We found out Friday night during the three hours of Collision and Rampage that Samoa Joe was going to be taken up on his offer. Um, the odd thing, though, is that some of the predictions that we had didn't come true. I think a few of us thought that, um, that the guns were actually going to take these titles, me being one of them, 
and I thought Joe was going to walk away, but that's not what happened. Uh, Joe stuck in there, and MJF and Samoa Joe won by submission with the Coquina Clutch from Joe on Colton. So Adam Cole and MJF do retain the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship. And post-match, Joe reminds Max he owes him a title match. They shake hands. And then MJF and Cole sort of share a moment because uh, Adam Cole's music hit and he hobbled down to the ring towards the end of the match. Um, And then the uh, ass boys jump the world champion, beat him down. Uh, Adam Cole can't do anything because he's injured. Uh, And they they light him up, um, smash his knee with the steel chair. Uh, They pilmanize him around the ankle. And medics come down to ringside. Uh, with a stretcher to take MJ off. Um, uh, and basically, uh, he leaves um, and uh, he's yelling to Adam as he's being loaded into to, uh, uh, an ambulance to not let them take his, his belt away. Um, and Adam Cole basically says, you got it, Max. You know, we'll, uh, I'll do everything I can. So we'll get to that story in a minute. But as far as this match goes, you know, Samoa Joe stuck in there. Uh, he didn't walk away. He didn't cost MJF the the titles. Um, so it wasn't like now MJF can be pissed off at Samoa Joe and, and then really be like, you want a match, you got it. Joe didn't even have to do that. Joe was responsible for the win. So um, I thought it was a, an entertaining match. Listen, I've said it before. I think the guns are are serviceable in the ring. They've put them in these spots and they show up uh and they they put on decent matches. So um good for them. Uh and uh they set up sort of the rest of the night for the story by taking out uh MJF's knee and his ankle. So uh Ryan, I'll ju- throw it to you first. What do you think of the match here? So I like that they didn't have Max defend himself and beat the guns by himself because that stuff just really annoys me. Max and Joe together are at least a very tough team, and it would make some sense, even though I hate established teams losing. To unestablished teams, I can do it. And plus, Adam Cole played a role by distracting, so there was shenanigans. The match itself was fine, serviceable. I don't want the belts to remain on Max and Cole, but clearly... They're going to leave it, and I would prefer the guns to win it, but not whatever. Um, the beatdown plays a much bigger role in later on, and I am one of the people who's not a huge fan of that because it does kind of kill logic. Yeah, we'll talk about the story because it it's weaved sort of here at the beginning of the night. Um, so we will certainly talk about that. Um, Joe, what did you think of the match and and the story they're setting up? Yeah, pretty similar to what Ron was thinking. Um, I like whether or not we liked the injury angle at the end. I did like the fact that they did it in the pre-show to kind of help, um, you know, sell what the pre-show is and and tie me into the pay-per-view. Um, and then I guess the only other thing I'll add is watching a match. Um, the spot, I'll call a spot here since Kate's not around. You got um, it. Watching Joe do a suicide dive, like, a man his size coming at you. All I can think about is like the scene in Home Alone where they pull the door and the, the giant toolbox, like the toolbox coming down the stairs. Yep. 
that's what I envision, like Samoa Joe coming and hitting you at full speed. Yeah, I mean, uh, he is one of the the few big men in AEW who can pull off moves like that. You know, Keith Lee's another one who does crazy shit. Um, even Hobbs does some stuff that really makes you kind of scratch your head and be like, how can these giant guys do do what they're doing? Um, but yeah, Joe, I mean, I, I actually didn't think of that. That's a great point, sort of setting up this injury storyline as a a lead into the main show to sort of try to get some intrigue on people at the last minute. Maybe what they were trying to do. I'm sort of with Ryan though. Didn't necessarily love it, but I digress. Let's move into the main show and talk about what happened on the card. Um, so the first thing they do is they recap MJF's injury. Uh, and then we move into our trios match. Uh, the rated R superstar, Adam Copeland, uh, Darby Allen and sting. Versus the Patriarchy, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, and Nick Wayne. Ric Flair is in uh, the babyface corner. Uh, and as we get to the end, um, Rick does chop away at Christian Cage on the floor. Uh, Christian Cage does give a low blow to, um, to the Nature Boy. Cage leaves. And then Adam Copeland, Darby Allen, and Sting win by pinfall with a coffin drop from Darby Allen on Luchasaurus. Post-match, Darby gets the crowd uh, to give it up for Sting's last match in California. And so we get a, a little bit of an ovation uh, for Sting here. And uh, then we move on. So we'll pause there for a moment and let's get our take on the trios match. Uh, Ryan, since you're the the Sting you know, super fan here... Sting. Uh, what did you think about the trios match? I liked the face paint. I thought that was neat. You know, I know that's such a stupid thing to call out, but I like when teams work in synergy together. Uh, I liked that, uh, Christian low blowed Ric Flair. I don't know why I just thought it was really funny. Um, I, I think the thing I like, it's we mentioned online, and I'm gonna stick in all the Joe call out more parts of the match because this is the thing that stuck out to me a lot. And I saw other people mention it. It's that Christian just jogged away, yeah, Ronnie and sprint. It was just kind of like, all right, and it kind of plays into tonight. But I just really appreciated that, like, it was the most like evil kind of move you could do. That we're like, you're not even in fear, you're just like, yeah, I'm done, <laughs> right? Jack away. Like, I just appreciate that so much. And Ryan, maybe the reason you find the low blow so funny is because that's usually what you'd expect from Ric Flair, right? Ric Flair's the guy who's who's given the low blow. And in this case, he's eating it. So, um, Joe, what do you think about the trio? It was fun. Um, I like the, the matching gear, like Ryan said. Very... Uh, very toyetic, so I expect a three pack from Ringside Collectibles on that one. Um, even from the start with the, the children's choir, I mean, I thought that had a perfect little touch for for Daddy Christian. That was fun. Um, I, I I thought the match was really carried by uh, Darby and Nick Wayne, and then everyone else kind of played little spot roles here and there. But as far as the fast paced action, they took a lot of the the bumps and did a lot of the big setup moves. Um, 
have like you know Darby took that choke slam to the, on the edge of the apron. So you yeah. know he doesn't care about his back, obviously. Um, which I would if I was gonna get ready to scale a mountain. But um, uh, other than that, I think it was fun to see the match play out and not have and still save Christian and and Adam Copeland from touching. So it's nice to keep that keep them away from each other still. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned Darby Allen uh, scaling a mountain. The word on the street is he's going to take time away to prepare for his climb up Everest. Wild. Um, but to touch on a couple things, Joe, that I had on my punch card here. Yes, the children's choir for uh, for uh, the patriarchy was fantastic. Um, they did, however, miss the mark on having them all in turtlenecks. Um, that's what we've missed. They also missed a mark on tonight, uh, on dynamite. And I'll give you that when we get there. Um, so stay tuned past the break. We'll talk about dynamite, obviously. Um, but yeah, I thought this, I thought this match was a lot of fun too. Um, you know, sting is on his farewell tour, right? So they're going to find a way to fit in sting wherever they can in some of these markets. Um, and I think, I think the Darby even said like, this is the last time Sting is wrestling in California, and I think he might have even said the last time he was there, or maybe somebody on commentary did. So um, just a nice touch to give it up for Sting, but a lot of fun. Love the fact that we didn't get anything out of Adam Copeland and Christian. Um, you know, so that's still fresh, and we will, again, we will talk about more of this feud as we head into Dynamite after the break. But for now... Back to the show. Uh, Tony Schiavone's backstage with Bryce Remsburg, and he brings in uh, Jay White. And Jay White, um, Joe, you look confused. I don't know who Jay White is. Well, he's the leader of Bullet Club Gold uh, with Rock Hard Juice uh, Robinson, who apparently is banged up, so I think he's on the shelf, uh, and the guns. Um, does he have some kind of moniker that he's known by? Because Jay White itself sounds pretty pedestrian. I don't know. Um, uh, my memory's slipping, but I think he does. Hmm. Ryan, does, does Ryan know what it is? Dude, I'm drawing a blank. See, all I think about is Cool Hand Engine is Switchcomb. Right. Mm. It sounds vaguely familiar. It'll come to us. Butcher knife, Jay White. Who butcher knife? Oh, yes, got it. That's got to be it. Maybe Rambo knife. Either way. So he's back there with uh, butcher knife, Jay White, uh, and uh, Jay is yelling about being champion. Tony tells him to settle the hell down, which was pretty funny in my opinion. And then he hates to say it, but unfortunately MJF is injured and cannot compete to defend his title against Jay White. And the match has been canceled. And that now, uh, Jay White is the champion by default. But Adam Cole enters, and he says there's no shot in hell Jay is leaving the arena with Max's title. And he made a promise to his friend, and he's going to keep it. He already spoke to Tony Khan. If MJF can't defend the title, Adam Cole says he's going to do it for him. One leg or not, tonight's main event will be Jay White versus Adam Cole. 
And Jay reminds him he took him out once before. And if he wants to stick his nose where it doesn't belong, he can uh, he can breathe with the butcher knife. So um, this is where things get weird, <laughs> right? Like, I again, I don't know if this is just Joe. Again, since you said it, it didn't it didn't even hit my brain where you said, oh, like at the end of the show, maybe it builds a little intrigue, blah blah blah, uh, gets people to buy the show. Maybe they're trying to do the same thing here. I have no fucking clue. But they did make it official. They did put a graphic out on social saying that the main event is Adam Cole versus Switchblade. Wait, is that it? Switchblade? Oh, that feels good. That feels good. So, um, so guys, I mean... Uh, mm, I don't know. I don't even. I don't even know what to ask because this was fucking weird, man. Like, it seemed really weird. Uh, my. I mean, I don't. I didn't like it. Um, I truly didn't. I didn't like hate it. Like every. Like a lot of people really were like, "Fuck this! I fucking hate it! It's fucking stupid!" Like I get it. It's dumb. I didn't love it. I didn't like hate it beyond everything else. But it was so weird to me that you've been building this for like two months. Everybody's bought in and then you switch it like this. Seems really weird. Did it? I mean, I can't be the only one thinking that. It's just so weird. I I don't. They're clearly attempting to get to, to. And I don't know if they're doing this in like a meta way that we're just not appreciating but there's clearly an attempt to to do the to have uh, MJF embrace all of the babyface tropes, and one of those tropes obviously being extreme injury. So, but then having Adam Cole be a substitute, the whole thing just didn't make sense. There literally was no logic. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. No logic. This was I hate to say it. This was very WWE booking. It was a choice, and for right or wrong, it was a choice. And the thing that really didn't make sense to me, and I think I've I've heard the argument before among other people who've reviewed the show, was how could Adam Cole replace MJF when he has a worse situation than MJF already? Like, how would he even be medically cleared to be in the main event? And Tony Khan be like, yep. Let's book it. We'll make it happen. Like right. That that part. Like there's so many holes you can poke in this this logic. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. It, it's it's really weird. But at the same like at the same time, I, I and I'm not even trying to find a way to make it work, but I'm just trying to think through this. It's like everybody had to sign on for this. Like you don't just it's not something that comes from the top because we know that's not necessarily the way they work, right? So, like, whoever I would, I would love to know who had the idea, and then how they pitched it to the players, to then be like, "Hey, Jay, hey, Max, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna say it's Adam, and then we're gonna do what we do later, and we'll we'll get to that later." But it's like, it just seems weird that everybody be like, 
sounds good to me. Let's do it. It just odd choice, really odd, but we're going to continue to touch on it. So we're going to trudge forward. And our next match on the pay-per-view was John Moxley versus orange Cassidy for the AEW international championship. As we talked about it in our prediction show, this is sort of the, uh, the vindication match, right? For, uh, for orange Cassidy because he never got to beat Moxley. So that's what we're sort of going for here. And this was a pretty hard-hitting match, uh, but Orange Cassidy uh, does hit like five or six orange punches and then hits a beach break to hit the pinfall for the win to retain the AEW International Championship. Post-match, Wheeler Yuta... Uh, or the BCC come down to the ring to get Moxley. The best friends and Hook come out to get Orange Cassidy. And there's a moment in the ring where Yuta and Hook uh, have a brief confrontation. I think Yuta sort of shouldered um, Hook on the way out, and they both have to be sort of held back, um, and everybody keeps things sort of calm and cool. Uh, we will talk about Wheeler and, and Hook in the second half, so we're going to touch on this again. But uh, Orange Cassidy retaining in in what I thought was a uh, you know a pretty good match, uh, and especially with no stipulations, right? Like this wasn't an uh, an extreme match or some sort of ladder match or something crazy like that. This was just a straight up you know grudge match. Um, so I didn't have any problems here. I thought it was entertaining uh, and a nice sort of second match to your night uh, on this card. Uh, Joe, what do you think about uh, Orange and Mox? Yeah, it was surprised me as far as the outcome because I think I, I picked Mox to win to, you know, reestablish his title reign that he should have had. But um, I, I thought it was an interesting story. It felt more like, you know, Orange enduring this brutal beatdown by Mox, um, especially when you have, you know, Super Mox no-selling multiple Orange punches. Um he almost felt like a, you know, it's like one like a horror movie villain, where it's like you know yep. you keep stabbing them and you think you killed them, but you keep standing back up and chasing you. But uh, so yeah, I was just kind of really surprised by the outcome that they they decided to roll with orange with the belt. And uh, at some point, I feel like they need to get off him to someone else because it's so linked to him now that the only time I think about the that international belt, I think of orange. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes next because Orange, you're right, Orange has been the face of this belt for so long. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Shlong, what did you think of the uh, of the match and the outcome? So they kind of called it tonight that it involved a lot of finishers, a lot of Orange having to go do next level stuff, which I don't mind. It's a, it's a good story to tell. Um, I thought... I thought they were going to drag out the uh, the Mox Orange storyline over a much longer period. Not just have it directly be their storyline, but have one that just continuously gets floated back where Orange can't beat Mox. Orange can't beat Mox a couple times, but guess not. Uh, I don't really want Orange. With, I mean, I love Orange Cassidy. I, I think he had done everything he can with that belt. The only thing they could do now, though, that has a lot of interest is that he starts cheating to keep it that would be an interesting way for him to go that he so loves that belt that 
he'll now start cheating to keep it. Yeah, I mean, I think when we talked about this, I think something I said was, I think we're going to see Orange have to get a little more violent, right? And I mean, he hits six or seven Orange punches, right? I mean, maybe we're starting to see him turn that. So like, Ryan, to your point where you're saying like, maybe we see him start to cheat because he loves that belt so much. Yeah. In my brain, I think maybe if it's not going to be cheat, we're going to see him go to lengths like a violence that we've never seen Orange Cassidy go to before. You know what I mean? Like he's just going to do everything in his power to like keep you down, maybe even beyond like having to. You know what I mean? Like where the guy's clearly out, but he he keeps going after him to the point where the referee's like, hey man, back up, like back off, like he's done. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where they go with orange. Um, but I think this was their second match, right? Mox and orange for this belt. It was, and Mox won the first one and orange won the second. Right. So I would assume at some point, maybe not soon, but at some point we're going to have to get a maybe third match out of these two because generally everybody likes to do a trilogy, but there's definitely a third match that can come. It just feels like, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, weird that you'd have him beat Mox. Like, I think a better story would have been that he can't beat Mox until he does. Right. No, I, I think I was actually with you there on the, on the, on the prediction show. I think I said Moxley's going to win, and then Orange is going to have to find a way next time to to get the vindication. But yeah, I don't know what they're going to do because now uh, Orange has has his win over Mox. So. We'll see, but we move on in the show. Commentary did confirm at this point that it will be our Adam Cole versus Jay White in the main event. There was a video package that also told us at this point Mark Briscoe was going to be in the Continental Classic. We're going to talk about the Continental Classic uh, in the second half, so stay tuned for that. But the next match we get is the AEW Women's World Championship, Hikaru Shida versus Tony Storm. I'm sorry, timeless Tony Storm, not just Tony Storm. Um. And during this match, um, we see uh, as we get to the end that um, uh, Luther had a a little tray with a bunch of trinkets on it, uh, and Tony does get it uh, towards the end. She sticks it in the back of her trunks. Um, she blocks a katana, uh, and then um, she is able to get the uh, running hip attack on Sheeta in the corner with that tray in her back pocket. And she does get the pinfall to become the new and three-time AEW women's world champion. Post-match, Mariah May does come down to the ring with a bouquet of flowers for the new champion. So we still see Mariah May as this like super fan of, of Tony Storm. Uh, and that ends that match in that segment. Uh, so gentlemen, I think we thought that this match was going to go this way. It was Tony Storm's time. Um, I still love the presentation when she went for that running hip attack and they do the zoom in and it turns black and white. Just fantastic. Um, I like the move actually with the tray in her, her back of her hip pocket. Um, I thought that was, uh, was pretty, um, pretty good. Um, but I love Tony Storm as a three-time champ. I thought this match 
actually was really good uh, from the women, a good showing early in the card for where I thought this would be for the women's world championship. But um, I thought this match was, was really good. Um, Ryan, I'll throw to you first. Uh, what'd you think of the women here? Uh, so it was, it was a good match. It was real quick. It sucks that Sheeta didn't have um, a longer run. That that stoppage for Soraya really broke things up in an odd way. Uh, because realistically, it reads like it should be. Um, it, it reads like it should be one long Sheeta title reign instead. But now we have it broken into two halves. Uh, so that sucks. The, I liked, like you said, I liked the tray on the all. Uh, in the tights, but the problem was obviously it became quite visible quite quickly. So it's just one of those things that happens. I'm not actually that upset about it. Things like that happen. I, I like that they tried it. I love that um Aubrey was ready for the shoe. You know, you gotta be ready for the shoe. But it was her time. I mean if you didn't pull the trigger now, you really run the risk of burning this character out before you maximize the possibility. So you yeah. had to do it. She is as over as over can be. And also let's just be fair here. She is one of their most complete wrestlers that they have. She can talk and she can wrestle. So it's not like you were striking hot with someone who can't back it up. She is by far one of their most complete wrestlers. So both things make sense to me. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, I agree with you about the tray. Like when it did start, start to slide past her shorts into her stockings, like, yes, it was very visible. Um, but, I mean, you know, let's suspend that for a minute because it was just a, it was a perfect way to do this in my opinion, right? She tried the shoe, Aubrey took it. She had the second shoe ready to go. Who didn't do it. So now she uses the tray and she gets the win. She's a heel, right? She's going to win by a heel tactic if she can't do it clean. So this all made sense for the character. I also loved at the end of the match when Luther um, like came in and picked her up. I think commentary was like, did you see that? He took the tray right out of, you know, right from her in that moment. Like it was just perfect. It was perfectly done with yeah. that. Luther's been a great addition because, because RJ couldn't go to the ring with her and RJ wasn't going to, going to cheat for her. So he gets right. to maintain his interviewer role while Luther gets to play, you know, the Butler that she needs for that kind of stuff. Yeah. It all works for me. Uh, and we're going to talk about Tony storm again uh, in the second half. So, more to come. Joe stepped away for a minute, by the way, so we're not going to get his take on this, but when he does get back, uh, he'll jump right back in and we'll we'll see what he thought. But Ryan, after this, they go backstage to the ravishing Renee Paquette to interview Eddie Kingston, and he says that the Continental Classic is his next target, and he wants to up the game to make it more prestigious. And he wants to put both the Ring of Honor World Championship and the New Japan Strong Open Weight championship uh on the line throughout the tournament so the winner of this tournament will have a triple crown between those two championship belts and the aew continental championship that will be on the line for the tournament now i'll say this ryan i uh, we're going to talk about the continental tournament later at length but this was the first time i think I, it came into my mind that there is a championship that they're aligning with this tournament i think it is just like the Owen belt, right? I don't think it's something that you no, win and defend it. it, it it's no, it's not like the Owen belt at all. 
Oh, did they? Uh, when did that officially hit? Because I don't know. Maybe they said it today. But... You saw the three. You see the three belts. Well, I saw two and one under a bag. Those two become that one. You think they're going? Whoa! They're it's gonna... not. This isn't think. This is a hundred percent. They've said it. Those two become that one. How are they merging? It's going to merge the ROH, the the uh, R, the ROH, the NJPW Strong, and they're going to create another one for AEW. It will be three belts defended across the three, one belt defended across the three brands. That is wild. Um, yeah, that's not even like me speculating. They've, they've 100% said that's actually going to happen. Well, that's wild, but I will say this, Ryan. Somebody... Somebody in creative was listening to this goddamn show when we were talking about the Continental Classic because I think I, if not somebody else, agreed that there needs to be some deeper stake. You told us we were actually being negative, but uh, I think Joe actually was saying it with me that there just needs to be a little bit more than just some belt or trophy that they're putting on the line for this. So. I actually like this idea. Now that now that they're merging them into one belt to be defended across three um three promotions, that actually intrigues me a little bit more because there is more room for crossover. Um so that's yeah, interesting. I, mean, I don't know how I feel about the ROH belt being merged. It's your, it's your heavyweight title. Well, yeah, I mean I'm 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 sure what they'll do is it will merge into that belt and then there will be some sort of new ring of honor championship, right? What I don't get is you just had, um, now maybe new Japan, I will say in fairness, this new Japan strong might not like the idea I'm about to present, but I was gonna say, you just had Joe vacate the TV title, literally just vacated it. Why couldn't you merge the TV title with the new Japan strong? Now the argument I might not be that new Japan said, they both have to be of equal strength. And so we need heavyweight title with heavyweight title, which is the only thing I could think about is that they, they would have new Japan would have felt slighted if it was the AEW TV championship, but it just seems weird that you have a belt that's vacant, but you're merging the championship of the, the company. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out. And we're going to talk about, like, like I said, we're going to talk about the continental championship in the second half because a lot's, you know, it started tonight and there's already a lot going on. Um, but Joe, now that you're back, just to fill you in, we were just at the point in the pay-per-view where Eddie said he was putting his two belts on the line to give it stakes. And I reminded Ryan, I believe that you and I were on the same page that there needed to be more stakes to this than what we thought at the time was just a trophy or some sort of championship, uh, you know, in name, even though it wouldn't be defended. So clearly somebody's listening to us and I like that. But um but yeah, uh what did what did you think about the announcement at the pay-per-view? Well, it was confusing initially, which I, I guess I'm glad they cleared it up um during the announcement of the competitors. But uh I'm glad there's stakes to the Continental Classic. I'm just not thrilled about eliminating the ROH world title in in a way of rolling it all up into this continental championship or whatever they're calling it. Um I just it's just kind of it's just weird to kind of eliminate that lineage and history of the belt. 
I would much rather prefer to like, you know, get a tile shot for the RH title or do something else other than get rid of that belt. And I'm still fascinated by, you know, I don't know if we ever heard like what New Japan thoughts were of like, ah, we're going to roll the, the strong championship in with this too. And you kind of eliminate that title as well. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying to Ryan, I assume that they will create some new championship for Ring of Honor, right? They'll call it something different, like, you know, the Ring of Honor World Championship or something, right? It'll be a new sort of... It's almost like like you could have done it for the TV championship. (laughs) No one owns it. Well, they have plans for that too, and we're going to talk about that later. Um, But either way... Um, uh, we move on to our next match and that was the world tag team championship ladder match. So they added that stake after our predictions again, um, to make it a ladder match. And that was big bill Morrissey and absolute Ricky Starks defending against FTR, the Kings of the black throne, which was Brody and Malachi LFI, which was Drillistico and Roosh. um, and um and then the action got underway very quickly um but as as we boil down to the end of this match big bill and absolute ricky starks win to retain um the AEW World Tag Team Championship they're able to retrieve the belts to retain um so i don't know where we're going i mean we still need to get to the golden jets and young bucks but at this point in the night i was just like i don't mind it because I like the pairing, but I don't know where we're going now, right? Like we, I think at this point I thought, well, I thought it was going to go to FTR and then we were going to get the bucks and FTR at world's end, but remained to be seen at this point in the night. So I didn't hate it. And I thought the match was really good. Um, you know, there's always the ability for things to go, you know, to get out of hand and like, not necessarily work out, but they've done a pretty good job with ladder matches in AEW. Um, uh, so I didn't have a problem with this. Um, Joe, what'd you think of the ladder match? Yeah. With the number of teams involved, I thought adding a stipulation was good just to make it a little bit extra spicy. Um, I also thought FTR was going to win this to set that up, set the bucks rematch up, but I think we're going to be doomed to get the golden jets as champions down the road. But uh, lots of good ladder spots, ladder usage. Um, the, like, I think all the spots I had listed were all had to deal with people falling on ladders somehow, whether it was um, cash pile driving black on the ladder mm-hmm. or um, the Gonzo bomb on Drillistico on the ladder. I thought he was dead after that one. Yeah, that was wild. Oh, but... um. And other than that, the only other thing I think of that was on my notes was, you know, good old meat slapping with Big Bill and and Brody. Yeah, a lot of a lot of action in this match. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of the uh, ladder match? Match was wild. I mean, they they everyone seemed to pull out all the stops. Um, seemed like towards the end there was a little bit of confusion with uh, FTR because they seemed to almost and what's like they were in spot or maybe someone else. Cause it almost like seemed like they purposely threw down ladders that they could have used and stuff like that. So there was some honest there, but I take that as that's just part and parcel with the ladder match where you're having that, you know, you have all those teams trying to compete, getting everyone in time is all 
difficult, but it was a lot of fun. Um, like you, kind of curious where they go here. I, I actually like Starks and Big Bill winning it, so they don't seem like just a stop in the road. Like I hate that for champs. Um, FTR has places they can go now. I actually think it's good they didn't win because kind of redefine them a little bit. And I don't think they have a singles thing for Starks at the moment. So keep him on TV, keep him ha- like keep him a big part of your plan, and he can go singles at any moment. So I'm I'm, I'm pretty happy about what overall. And again, the match was wild. I have a question for you both. Yeah, how you feel about having both AEW and RH, both of the tag belts on teams that are teams of individuals and not tag teams. So I don't like it for Ring of Honor more because I feel like those belts, and I've said it time and time again with Ring of Honor, but I feel like Ring of Honor belts should be on guys who are true Ring of Honor people. And I don't just mean Ring of Honor people as in people who are signed to a Ring of Honor contract only. I mean, like, why not give it to, like, fucking... You know, why not give the tag titles to like uh, Dalton Castle and the boys, right? And you can just have one of the boys hold the belt or help Dalton defend it, right? Or even, um, even, um, crap, I'm forgetting his name. Shane, um, Shane Taylor and, uh, fuck, Tiger Style, who they're pairing with him now. Um, I can't remember. Moriarty. Moriarty, there you go. Um, so I, I mean that those belts, I have more of a problem with because it's like, there's no need for MJF and Adam Cole to have them. Um, and I think we're going to see that change somewhere quickly here, but, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mind it as much for AEW because their talent who's involved, right? Like you need them involved. And I think the only thing you could have done if Starks and big bill lost this match was throw Starks into the Continental Championship tournament. But he's got a belt. He doesn't need to be vying for singles. So I don't mind it as much for that. But Ryan, I, I mean, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So for the ROH one, I clearly have problems because Cole and MJF are not defending them, first of all. And they're very clearly singles guys that are going to... The one guy has a singles title, I guess, is my problem. If MJF didn't have a singles title, I wouldn't have as much of a problem because you saw Hangman and Kenny have the belts early on in AEW and they were a tag team. That's why I don't mind Starks and Big Bills much because while initially you felt thrown together, now it feels like they're a team. Like they're just, they're two guys clicking and getting. So you can take two singles guys and build them in, but only if you're not having those singles guys still dominate in singles for singles belts or singles champions. Like, you have to delineate that their success is in the tag team, not in singles, which is why I have a problem with MJF and Adam Cole because MJF's all his success right now is in singles. So why is he in a tag team? Yeah, I, I mean, and we're going to talk about MJF and Adam Cole again. You know, we have the fallout to discuss, so I have some thoughts on what's going to happen with, like, maybe Ring of Honor. But, yeah, I've, uh, you know, don't love it, Joe. Short answer, I think, you know, we don't love it. Well, I mean, I'm assuming you don't love it either. Your assumption is correct. <laughs> okay. So now moving out of this, moving on in the card, we have Julia Hart versus Chris Statlander versus Sky Blue for the TBS championship. 
And as we go through this match, just cutting to the end, uh, Julia Hart wins by pinfall with a folding press on Sky Blue to win the AEW TBS Championship. Um, Saturday Night Fever was hit uh, on Sky Blue, uh, but then Hart broke it up to steal the pin. Uh, And that's how Julia Hart is your new AEW TBS champion. Now, I thought this match was really good. Uh, I thought everybody showed up uh, and put on a good match. Um, I don't think this necessarily hurt uh, Chris Statlander because she wasn't pinned. You know, Julia just took advantage of a situation. Um, So I don't have a problem with this. Um, It's going to be interesting to see where we go from here now with uh chris statlander though right so she doesn't have a belt she's been billed as this powerhouse strong you know female competitor so is she going looking for the the championship now uh against timeless tony storm is she trying to get her belt back you know like what are we going to do with chris stat but julia hart is so hot it's uh it's her time you know so i'm glad that they they gave it to her um Joe, what did you think of the TBS championship? I thought all three, all three of them really worked well together in the match. I thought it flowed pretty well. Um, you know, sometimes these uh, triple threat matches can kind of have some sloppiness or some mistimed things, but I thought they all worked really well together, um, probably because they've been wrestling one another in some form or fashion for the past month or so, or whatever it's been. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do with Sky Blue going forward now with have her new music, her uh, going for the new look now, um, and where her her and Julia, like how, you know, what happens between that relationship. Because I really don't want Sky Blue to fall into like a carbon copy of Julia where you go from the peppy, you know, baby face to, to you know, going to this dark side. Um, so I'll be interested to see what happens between those two. But otherwise, yeah, I thought uh, the outcome was right. And you know, now, now that Julia had the belt, you know, what, what can they do with her um, not chasing a title, but you know, dominating and having a title? Ryan, your thoughts? This is the second time that they, they struck while the iron was hot on the same show. Julia, again, had a lot of momentum going in this into this. And I'm not sure if she lost, how easy that would have been to maintain. So, yeah, second time she's you have someone uh, striking while the iron's hot. So I really like that. And I, I think Julia's made improvements by leaps and bounds. She keeps getting better. And her character work is there, some of her in-ring. But I don't really care about that. I just love that her character work. Sky Blue's interesting because she's kind of gone bad, but not really. So I'm interested to see where that goes. I'm very interested to see where that goes. And she needed a character refresh anyway. I I think her stuff was starting to wear a little thin because there was not a lot of depth to it. So now there's more depth to this. And she doesn't have to go full Julia Hart. She can just be kind of a bitch. So I was going to maybe save this question for later, but since we're talking Sky Blue's new persona, seems like an appropriate time to ask this question. So she comes out, she takes off, you know, she throws down the ball cap, stomps on it, puts on, you know, some sort of crown and the evil music and the drippy eye makeup. So it seems like this character is fully transitioned. My question to you guys is, I don't want to put this. Do you guys, do you guys buy into this 
because here's my here's my problem. I don't have a problem with the character refresh. I think it's more of a problem of feeling like both of these personas so far we've seen from Sky Blue almost seem like disingenuous. Like Sky Blue coming out with the ball cap looking like, you know, like I'm um I don't know, like I'm a 12-year-old kid wearing a hat that's too big backwards. Happy go lucky didn't seem necessarily genuine. I'm not saying she's not a happy person, but like it just seems sort of forced. And this new evil persona, evilish, whatever it is, sort of like I tonight we'll talk about the match, but when she was coming out, it also didn't I didn't buy into it a hundred percent. And I was saying to Mrs. Money on the couch tonight, like, you know, somebody like Willow, I'll buy into the happy go lucky bubbly persona because it feels so genuine. Right. And same thing with some of these other characters. They feel genuine, even though, like, you know, Ruby's not, you know, some egomaniac, you know, maniacal person, but you sort of feel like it's somewhat genuine. Like it, it doesn't feel forced. Do you guys feel that with Sky Blue? I don't think her feels forced to me. I think the spooky, some of the spooky elements might feel a little bit forced. But I think the attitude doesn't. I think she she plays the I mean, I have an attitude really well. It's just the the spookiness that might be a little bit forced. That might be what's throwing me. Yeah. And I get where you're I, I get where you're coming from, Ant. I kinda have a, a sense of that. Um I just maybe I, I kinda chalk it up to maybe like just an experience with a character work where She'd never maybe had a character with a lot of depth before. And this is kind of her first, maybe this is kind of one of the first times of her really having to do more character work than just be a, you know, a baby face or a heel. But you're right. Like the, the hat backwards and the you know, tennis shoes, it felt like, like a Bella twin cosplay. Like, you know, if you, with like Nikki Bella, but, and now it kind of feels like a, you know, Julia Hart mimic. But I think I'm hoping that, you know, Given, t- given time, much like her in-ring ability, her in-ring got better over time. I'm hoping that you know, she'll sink her, her teeth into this character and um, everything will kind of align in a few weeks. Mm. Well, I'm not, I'm not against it. I want to be very clear. Like, I'm not against the persona. I just, I think I have to see it a little bit more. And I think as she works on it more, it will become better. So uh, a good turn for Ju- uh not Julia Hart here. Uh Sky Blue and also a good uh good opportunity for Julia Hart. But we move on to the big signing announcement uh during the pay-per-view and Shivani announces it in the ring and the music hits for Will Osprey bruv. And Tony hands him the contract, he signs it, he says he's happy to be here, but there is some bad news. He can't come just yet. He has obligations to New Japan Pro Wrestling to finish up. And he asked Tony Khan to do him a favor and line up the best he's got, especially for Wembley, because everyone knows he's going to show them all what Elite really looks like. And that is true. Uh, Osprey is still under contract with New Japan Pro Wrestling for the next few months. Um, so he is going, to, um, uh, is going to finish up what he's got with them before he comes on over to uh, AEW sort of full-time. Um, he is actually set to face Moxley and David Finlay in the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. So that should be fun. Um, 
but uh he'll be around for revolution coming up uh and um he's clearly ready for Wembley Stadium so um you know i think we all felt like it was going to be will um and uh on our prediction show we didn't all want to say will osprey uh we let kate get the win there but like guys i think this is uh, first of all good news for AEW and b huge news like huge in the world of wrestling because he was the next big free agent and the fact that they were able to line this up early before his contract is actually fully expired is awesome uh and i i have to imagine that you know from everything we've heard new japan is very good about letting their wrestlers go out on good terms and like you know julia's been working out at the performance center i assume they were allowing osprey to make visits and he's clearly been working multi-promotions uh in his time with uh new japan so I assume the same thing was allowed to happen. And because of the working relationship with AEW, uh, that things were okay. But this is huge to me. And the fact that now people in the United States will get to see him on a consistent basis uh, is pretty big. Um, so, uh, Ryan, I'm going to throw it to you first. I mean, any downside for you to Will Ospreay coming to be all elite? I'm trying to think if there can be any downside when you get one of the best in the world. I don't think so. I really, I mean, he is one of the best in the world. He was going to be the biggest free agent. In some ways he was because clearly he was able to negotiate before his contract was up. Uh, and I don't think he would have negotiated just with AEW. My guess is he negotiated with WWE too because he's a smart man and would do that. Um, no, I think this is, this is, uh, this is, all upside. I mean, he's one of the best in the world. He can talk, which is good. It says bro a lot. Uh, it's got a good look to him. No, this this is this is all win. And and clearly, he's got to have some New Japan dates worked into his contract because I don't think New Japan lets him and not even let, not, let me say necessarily announce it so early if he doesn't build in some dates. So, and the way their New Japan and AEW just seem to be coming closer and closer together, I bet you he's going to be in new japan more frequently than most aew towns because he probably built it in which is great for him i'm all for that so no i i really i can't think of a single downside joe same thing to you any downside that you can see from this and your level of excitement around will osprey coming in very happy he's sticking in with aew um no he's what 30 years old so he still has plenty of time left a good five to 10 years of really high intensity. Um, we get to do the Aussie open hand signs more with him, hopefully. You know, the thing that Ryan still is, so it gives you more time to try, Ryan. More practice for you. No. Some birds. Um, so, yeah, and it's like one of, one of Tony's announcements finally landed. You know, we built it up as a big signing and it actually paid off, I thought. And, uh, yeah, it just seems like AEW's been hitting a lot of home runs with signing of free agents. Um, whether it's you know, Osprey, Jay White, um, you know, re-signing Kenny again, and you know, um, it's hard. I can't remember the last time that they didn't sign arguably the highest free agent, you know, on the market. 
I mean, unless you guys think of one that they missed out on that they, they wanted. No, I mean, you know, I think at the time when Cody walked out, not walked out, uh, that's the wrong word. When Cody went back to the WWE, I think a lot of, uh, uh, maybe not, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think I thought that could have been a blow to hurt AEW and maybe get more talent to go um, to go over to, to the E. But it didn't wind up happening that way. AEW kept pushing as top, you know, to the top as much as they could. Like you said, Jay White, now Will Ospreay. You know, Mariah May is even a, a good signing for them. The one that AEW might miss out on is Julia. Um, and it just seems like she's really closely linked to the E, which is great. Good, good for her. I think that if AEW got Julia, it would help them out greatly in the women's division, but they've got so much women's talent and so few storylines and, and things for her to be involved in that I wouldn't necessarily be mad. By the way, hi, Jesse Ozog. Hope you're well. Happy early Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us. Ryan still won't wave. I don't get it. So, um, so that was great news for officially to officially hear that it's Will Ospreay. Uh, and then, uh, we move on to, man, I'm going to say it's, it's the match of the night for me. Uh, there was a lot of good on this card outside of the stories, but man, this was the steal of the night. Hangman Adam Page versus Shane Swerve Strickland in a Texas death match. Their second uh, match. Um, and I think we said this is going to be good. It's going to be violent. But dear God, I was not expecting half of the shit that happened in this match. So much to the point, gentlemen, that Mrs. Money said to me at one point, good night. I'm going to bed. I think I'm going to be sick. Like she couldn't take it. It was brutal. Uh, and I don't blame her. Uh, so this match had everything. First of all, hangman, uh, hangman connected quickly with the buckshot. And let's also remind people in the Texas death match, you, uh, the way you win is that you don't answer the 10 count, right? So you have to really, uh, you know, beat down your opponent. This had everything. Um, staple gun. I mean, those spots were insane. The straight staples to the chest of Swerve and letting him sort of just sit there to see, to show everybody the two staples in his chest. Uh, then stapling papers to his shoulders, stapling a finger painted picture the, uh, to his cheek. Uh, insane. Uh, there was, you know, barbed wire, there was chairs, there was broken glass, there was a cinder block, um, and so much blood. Uh, and in one of maybe the most insane moments I think I've ever seen, uh, and we've seen guys like lick blood off people's face or swipe their face and then lick their hand, but literally Adam Page like laying underneath swerve as swerve is on all fours opening his mouth just letting the blood pool in his mouth that was 
ripping off of, I mean, running off of Swerve and then, you know, spitting it into the air. And then at the end of that match, Hangman being split open, bleeding as much as he was, getting punched and throwing his head back and seeing the blood fly everywhere. Fucking insanity. Uh, to close the end of the match, uh, the count uh, happened. Swerve uh, gave new meaning to the term hangman, wrapped a chain around hangman's neck, uh, hung it over one of the turnbuckles, uh, hung him up, dropped him down, and then hangman couldn't answer the count. Uh, and Swerve Strickland wins by knockout in this second match. Think this went the way we all thought it was going to go with Swerve winning, but there was no way in hell I thought it was going to go half the ways it went. I honestly, guys, at multiple points in this match, thought it was over, and then like Nana pulled fucking Swerve out to get him on his feet. You know, Hangman gets up after the fucking glass, you know, spots. I mean, this was, this was crazy, but like crazy good and. I think you guys know in my time talking on this show about um, death matches and things like that. I'm not a big fan of death matches, especially things where it's like, it doesn't make sense. They've got light tubes. They're smashing for no fucking reason. Pizza cutters, all this crap, like everything in this match to me made sense because you have to knock your guy out or just disable him to the point where he can't get back up. This was my match of the night. And I think most people felt that way, but I'd love to know your guys' thoughts. And if I left anything out, please add it back in. Joe, uh, what'd you think here? Oh, um, match of the night for me, yes. And it might be my match of the year. Um, thinking back to you know everything, it and I'm not again, I'm not huge like you, I'm not a big death match person, but. This wasn't violence for violence sake. There was a point to this one because of the match stipulation, like you said, but also because of how personal that they built this feud into with the home invasion and everything else. Um, you, you believe that if someone did that to you, you would go to lethal lengths to torture and beat the person who invaded your space and threatened your family. Uh, so I, I thought it was the perfect amount of violence and over-the-top part of violence that it needed. Uh, I think right from the start of the match with Heyman, you know, not waiting for an entrance, just coming right in and just jumping swerve and taking it to him, I thought that kind of set the tone for the match. Um, and I thought Heyman was going to win the match, to be honest with you. I thought they would, you know, go 1-1 one and, one and have a third match, but... Um, Having the match they did and with Swerve winning, I mean, it just continues to propel him up the, as the this breakout star this year. Um, so hopefully we see you know bigger and better things for him coming out of this match because you know he had that match and he worked again tonight and had a good match. We'll talk about later, but uh, yeah, it just it was things I've never seen before, and I yeah I, I'm I have no more words for it. I mean, Ryan, uh, Swerve's a made fucking man at this point after this match, right? I mean, he was already over with the crowd, but he's made. That's accurate. I mean, you're right. He, the reason reason we all said he should win is because he needed the win in the sense of he was over, and if they didn't have him win, 
it would have been a big miss. But yeah, he, coming out of this, he's a fucking legend. I mean, people are, you heard it tonight. I mean, people are all about him. I, I'm sorry if you, one of you guys did say it, there's so many spots in this match. So it's the where he staples himself. Didn't say it. I was going to actually add that back in afterwards. Um, He's just standing there just cockily stabling himself like, I don't care. That was incredible. Um, The end, Nana's dance, just trying to dance his way out of getting hurt, was fucking hilarious. I mean, that was one of my favorite. Can I also add one thing, Ryan? I'll let you get back to it, but another spot that I didn't add, I don't know if you were going to say it, so I'm sorry if I'm stealing this. One of the most brutal to me that maybe seems innocuous, the barbed wire chair shot where Hangman was sitting on top, facing outside the ring, sitting on top of the turnbuckle, where Swerve hit him in the back and the barbed wire wrapped around Hangman's face and neck and got caught. Yes. As he pulled the chair away, that got me. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> it just... That actually looked real bad because incidental stuff like that's where a lot of real damage could take it, take place because it was stuff you're not prepared for. Um, the ending just looked so brutal with the chain around his neck and you have him, you know, losing consciousness, covered in blood, and then you swerve behind him a maniacal smile covered in blood. That image should just go around forever because that's how you end that match. That's how you end a Texas death match that had that much anger and that much heat to it. Because otherwise, it, it, like in, in a lot of ways, Hangman wouldn't stay down. Swerve wouldn't stay down. So the only thing you could do is quite literally practically kill the man. Uh, obviously, they, had, they, they did protect Hangman a little bit because there was that moment where Swerve was going to be out for the 10 and Nana pulled him out. And that's when Nana got hurt. But, uh, yeah, this this was just a really good Texas death match. I mean, I just I'm I'm trying to think there's you guys name so many and there's just so many spots, but I I will forever swerve standing there stapling himself. It's like, oh, this is the moment you became the guy. Like you're a legend. So I'm I'm excited for what's next for him, but my god, that fucking match. And it it was a shock too. I know I mentioned the glass, but it's a shock when you see the black bag come out and you're like, oh fuck, tax. You're like, oh God, like tax already get me. But then when the, he poured it on him and it was glass, I was like, oh no, <laughs> it might be worse. <laughs> like Or when or when um Swerve he did the what is it, a four fifty to land on his stomach on the back? Yes. Like he could have done his his stomp, but he wanted to he was willing to get hurt to make it worse. Like Jesus Christ, like that is a next level. It was great storytelling in a which you sometimes don't get in a match like this, right? Sometimes there's like no storytelling. It's just let's hit a crazy violent spot after crazy violent spot, but everything they were doing here made sense because of the story they built. Hangman, uh, his house being invaded and the, the hate that he had for Swerve, it just was perfect. I, there's going to be a third. I don't know how they're going to top this for a third match. Uh, somebody's going to have to lose a hand or something. I have no fucking clue. But, like, I look forward to their next meeting. 
Um, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we're not, I hope we don't get it for a while. Swerve's in the tournament now. So we know we've got like five weeks where he's got to be doing the tournament thing. So let this cool down, pull it back up at another time and let's see it. This was fantastic. My match of the night, Joe, I'm also with you could very well be match of the year. Uh, right as we get sort of to the end here. Uh, but let's move on. Two more matches left in this pay-per-view, the golden jets versus the young bucks. This is for the number one uh, contendership to the AEW uh, World Tag Team Championships. And um, just getting to the end here, the Golden Jets win by pinfall with the one-winged angel from Kenny on Matt Jackson. That ensures that the Jets will be allowed to continue teaming up and earning the Bucks title shot for the World Tag Team Championship. Um, Post-match, the Bucks did have a temper tantrum. Uh, they refused to shake Kenny's hand. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Bucks, you know, and what's going on with them in the news and notes. So more to come on the Bucks. But I don't know, guys. Like at this point, it made sense. Like the outcome made sense because I was like, if we're not getting Bucks FTR, like I didn't want to see Bucks Big Bill, you know, Ricky. I don't necessarily need to see Bucks or I'm sorry, Jets versus Big Bill and Ricky, but I guess I'd rather see that than the Young Bucks. I, I don't know. I thought the match was okay, but like I don't need to see the Golden Jets long for this world. Ryan is snapping, uh, but we can't. Jets. I heard this it faintly as he spoke there. Did you hear that, Asian Joe? As he was talking and snapping. Jets I versus the Sharks? Jets. Oh, a little Sharks. Bit. I understand what you're saying. I get I know, it. I'm trying to get this the sound through. That's a great uh that's a great uh West Side story reference. Um but as you're I guess Ryan since you're the Broadway aficionado and a Jet fan. Um what do you think of the match here? Eh. This was probably one of the lower matches of the night. Uh not that there was anything wrong with it. I just to me the ending was all I really cared about. I loved seeing the Bucks throw a hissy fit. I thought that was amazing. It's clear they're going heel. They're doing everything online and offline to to show they're going heel. Ending BTE being the guys they are. Love it. But that was the part I liked most, was that they threw a hissy fit. Because I think that's a really fun... I think the Bucks are better heels. Um, The match, like to the match, it wasn't bad. Like there's nothing I could say against it. Just I don't think I remember a single spot from it. To be quite honest, I mean it's hard to follow the Texas Death Match. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it had the death spot. The, no pun intended. Even for me, it had the death spot. Yeah, it was a tough spot to be in. Plus, you're right before the main event where everybody's like, "What the fuck is going on?" So, um, tough spot to be in. What do you think, Joe? Well, first of all. I, um, being the resident sneakerhead, I appreciate the Bucks outfits with the Kobe, with the Lakers and the Kobe's on their feet. So mm -hmm. I appreciate that. But yeah, it, the match was just a match. It was kind of just fair for me. I, it probably one of the, the ones on the cards I was maybe least excited about. Um, I thought I picked up in the second half of the match, but. Uh, the only really spot that I was intrigued by was, you know, when Kenny kind of had that moment of, 
who I hit the V trigger on. Jericho was on one side, and then right. um, I can't remember which which buck was on the other. But um, that was kind of maybe hope maybe that's a little bit of foreshadowing going in the future. Hopefully, it is. Uh, yeah, otherwise mm-hmm. it's just it's more about the story of you know post match, like Ryan said, it's really about what happens to the Bucks now and what happens with Kenny and Chris now. Um, so yeah, it's really just furthering a story more than having a good match. And you know, Jesse does make a good point in the in the chat here. At least they put Kenny in that spot instead of a women's match. Very true. Um, you know. I think the way that they placed this was where it needed to go because you don't want to sort of devalue and it wouldn't devalue, but it would certainly derail one of the women's matches, right? Cause it's for a championship. Plus you have to follow that crazy fucking match and the, and the crowd is sort of like recovering. Right. So you put four guys in the ring who've been doing it for as long as they have, you know, they're going to have an okay match without a whole lot of bullshit uh, and just let it sort of be what it is. So uh, a tough spot, but we'll see where this goes with Big Bill and Ricky Starks and the Jets. So now we move on to the main event, and Adam Cole makes his entrance with his crutches. Um, and then um, Jay White is in the ring, uh, and he is uh, Bryce is keeping Jay White off. Adam looks very nervous, but then we see an ambulance drive up to the arena, and MJF is here hobbled with his leg taped up, and he's ready to fight. So he comes down to the stage to the ring over objections from the crew and other producers and maybe medical staff. But we do get the promised match. Uh, Jay White versus MJF for the AEW World Championship. As we get to the end of this match, uh, Adam Cole does try to help out uh, MJF using the dynamite uh, diamond ring. But um, Jay White is able to get... um, is able to get that before uh, MJF is. Uh, MJF does block the loaded punch with an uppercut, uh, an uppercut to the. Uh... <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. It just sounded like really bad. Anyway, an uppercut to the groin, uh, and uh, then the Bang Bang Gang comes out, but punches take out both ass boys. He blocks the Blade Runner right hook with the tuck of the ring. Bryce is on his feet because Bryce had been knocked down. And MJF does win by pinfall with that loaded punch to retain the world championship. Cole and MJF celebrate after the match. Best friends with two working legs between them. Uh, And that's the end of the show. Uh, And there's your main event. So again, guys, this weird fucking story. Um that they had with MJF not fighting MJF is fighting. uh, Okay. And then we get the match. Like I just still don't get it. The match went the way it needed to go. I didn't think we were going to get Jay white taking the belt off him, but it is what it is. Uh, I thought the match was fine. Uh, Storytelling with the leg, all that stuff. Fine. Ryan, to your point earlier on with all the wrestling tropes, you know, this is the next thing I guess that we haven't gotten out of MJF, right? The underdog overcoming adversity, even though he's cheating like the scumbag he is, he's able to retain his title. Uh, So Ryan, you are grinning probably because I said uppercut 
Um, so why don't you go first? Can't get over that. Also, if it gets heard by uh, anyone at GCW, Effie and uh, Ali Catch are going to start using that as their finisher, no doubt. The I would like a small royalty for that. Um, listen, the problem here isn't the match itself. The match itself was fine. It's the logic they put going into it. Again, why can... Why was Adam Cole going to wrestle when Max couldn't? Like, why could one be clear the other didn't? Why would Jay White get the t- title if Max couldn't defend? Like, he, why does he automatically get the title? Um, Why did you have to have Max go to the... I know they wanted the trope of him. Again, I understand what they're doing. There is a bit of a meta thing to this. Where they wanted the trope of him driving the, the ambulance back, which has been done by faces a bunch of times. Like, Stone Cold did it. Uh Someone in AEW's done it too. I'm pretty sure Cody's probably done it too. But like it, it is a it is a babyface trope that he's he's so hurt, but he comes back and, and and I get it. I don't like it when it happens there, so I can't really like it here. Um, I think Kate said it on something. He would have been better off staying in the just say he's in the back being looked at. Like you could have have him be hurt, but never leave, because then it, the severity level changes. You know, yeah. if you have to go to the hospital, you're it's severe. If you don't, well, maybe, um, or maybe you know something like, listen, the reason they don't want him to wrestle is they're worried that he could make it worse or something like that. Like you can make a story. Now the irony is, he actually did hurt himself in this match. He dislocated yeah. his hip apparently. So like there is a bit of he actually winds up hurt. So the story wise, it, it levels out that he can't wrestle after that match, but. The match itself was great because MJF's a great wrestler. Jay White's a great wrestler. I don't think this fully buries Jay, buries Jay White like um, Kate thinks and some other people think. I don't. I think wrestling is weird enough that he'll get away with this. I don't. It didn't do him any favors, though. I mean, it definitely hurt hurt him in terms of like, why couldn't he beat a one-legged man? He's Jay fucking White. Like, he should have won. He should have won handedly. Uh it would have all made sense if the devils interfered in the match. That's where the logic would have would have worked. Where like if they come in, they hurt Jay White. It would have been cheesy pay-per-view, so I don't love it, but like at least there would have been logic there. So yeah, I mean the match was fine. I liked the match a lot, but the story around it sucks. See, now I didn't necessarily have a problem with Jay losing. I wouldn't go as far as like Kate had said to us via text, like Jay got buried. I didn't think Jay got buried at all. Um, MJF cheated to win, right? So, like, he still... But after he took a lot, like, that match... If he cheated within the first 10 seconds, he hit him with the ring because he caught Jay off guard, there's an argument there. It was an entire... Now, there's an argument that Jay took MJF lightly, and so he, he didn't actually mentally get into the match, and then MJF took advantage of him. But really, the argument is that he should have hit him early. Even if you don't end the match there, if you hit him early with something like the ring or something, even if it doesn't end it, at least you level the playing field to start. I don't know. I, uh, I didn't have a problem with it necessarily, like him not being able to beat him because, especially because MJF did cheat. Um, you know, he cheated to win and, and he could still, fight somewhat 
right? I think Jay maybe took him lightly, maybe also was being a little cocky at certain points of the match. Um, it happens. But Joe, what did you think of this? Are you on the are you also I'll throw this question to you. Are you on the side of Jay got buried? No. I don't think he got buried. I think it wasn't probably the best way to book it, but I don't think he's buried. He switched boy Jay White. I mean, come on. Wait, who? Which play? Jay White. Thank you. Uh, and before I, ha- and I have, uh, you know, a good amount of notes here, but before I get into them, um, what Jesse says here is the most Jesse thing he could have typed, I think. Um, and it's true. MJF is kind of doing a parody of the babyface tropes that we talked about. Um, yeah. He kind of lost me with the uh, morphing into the sublimination of the protagonist role. And, but I don't pretend I'm as smart as Jesse. No. Um, but going through some of the things that I've noted from this match, I you know, bless the announce team for trying to make sense of it, saying that, you no, know, they have to be defended, otherwise, Jay wins by default. So at least we got some clarity around why the match was still happening. Um, I can appreciate the fact that we tried to cast some doubt on MJF not winning because we all kind of thought there's no way Jay's going to win the belt off of him. Uh, I think it might have made more sense to have Adam, since Adam was such a like staunch supporter for Joe to replace him in the tag match, I think it would have made more sense for him to push for Joe to replace Max to defend the title in his place instead of a one-legged Adam Cole. He should be like, hey, Joe, defend the title so you can win it off of Max. That would have made sense to me. Right. Uh, I thought the match the, in the match itself, I thought, you know, Jay White has some nice chops. Uh, MJF keeps pulling out little moves here or there that we don't see from him all the time. He had a nice little mule kick to the corner uh, to Jay's head. Uh, we talked about the hip injury and that, I mean, doing the elbow drop to the outside. Yeah. After the uh, announce table announce table broke um, and still going through with that. I mean, probably not the best business decision, but, you know. That's where they say he, he popped his hip. Yeah. So kudos to him for doing it. But um, Jay had a nice avalanche, uh, avalanche urinagi. Uh, and then... The uh, that running cutter that over the top rope that MJF did, yeah, wow. Another one that probably didn't help his hips, but uh, I'm interested now in the fact like what happened to Bullet Club Gold now that Juice is out for a little bit until you no know, probably end of the year, wherever it is. Uh, you know, Jay kind of wrapped up in the Continental Classic. You had the Guns lose the tag team match, so you you had built this faction up over the months here. So I don't know where you go with them now. And it's not exactly the match we all thought we were going to get when they advertised it. But I, I'm hoping that we can revisit this. So we both, we get a healthy MJF and a healthy switchblade um, and give us the match that uh, switchblade, switchblade. Yep. Give us the match that we kind of expected and wanted instead of all this, you know, the shenanigans that we got. Yeah, and uh, Joe, you mentioned the Irinagi 
uh, off the top rope. Apparently that also banged up uh, MJF's shoulders. So he did take some battle damage, um, but he'll, uh, as we saw, he was on TV tonight. Uh, they're going to keep him, I think, on screen, but not in a wrestling capacity. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that tonight and how they could possibly do that. But before we hit the break, there was one more thing in uh, that came out of uh, Full Gear um, in regards to Adam Cole that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, I didn't really, I didn't watch the media scrum, so I don't know what happened there. We're not going to cover it, but I will say this: uh, Britt Baker was very active on social, and uh, she did tweet. She retweeted Tony Khan's announcement of the main event, which was Adam Cole versus Jay White. Simply with the, you know, the text, the fuck. And then later also went on to say, I still want to know why 20 bodies tried to stop Max from getting in the ring, but the dude with crutches from two ankle surgeries got a whole ass, uh, got a whole ass unbothered entrance. And then she also went on to say, uh, during the media scrum, so MJF and Tony Connor sitting for the scrum but the dude with crutches is standing. And that was true. He was standing while they were sitting. And she did say, this was the last thing I saw her say in regards to this was, this is crazy because this man told me the reason he's not loading the dishwasher is because he can't stand for very long. What we are witnessing is miraculous. So bravo to Britt Baker for doing what we need her to do on social. So folks, to wrap up the pay-per-view, um, do you want to do a letter grade? Do you want to do stars? How do we want to do this? What would you give this? What would you give this Ryan and your, how about this? How many turkeys would you give this, uh, pay-per-view out of four turkeys? Three turkeys out of four, three turkeys. Not bad. Joe. I was talking real turkeys or like the hand turkey we made in gray school. Uh, real turkeys. Okay. I'll go three and a quarter. Three and a quarter. I like where your head's out, Joe, uh, because I was also going to give a partial star, but you went a quarter. So I was going to go three and a half because I was like, ah, you don't really hear about quarter turkeys. But you know what? I'll go three whole turkeys and a quarter pound with you. That seems fine. I think we're. I think we'd all be in agreement that the wrestling was very good for the night. Um, but some of the stories were fucking weird. So if you didn't check out the pay per view, you certainly should. And if you're only going to check out one match, um, check out the fucking Texas Test match, man. Like that's the one to see. Um, if you're gonna watch anything. But for now, we're going to take a short break since we've been talking for a while. We had a lot to cover with the pay-per-view. We're going to go through the Fallout episode of Dynamite tonight where they kicked off the Continental Classic. We're going to cover some of that uh, as far as the rules and the brackets just really quick before we get into Dynamite. So stay tuned. We're going to play some words right now from some of the other shows that are part of the Shining Wizards Network. So stay tuned, and we will be right back. 
thank each and every one of you for tuning in every Monday night to listen to The Shining Wizards. If you'd like to continue to support us outside of listening, we've got a few ways for you to do that. If you shop at Amazon, go over to Amazon.ShiningWizards.com, do your shopping as usual, and when you make your purchase, a little bit of that purchase price will go back to support the show. If you like to wear t-shirts, Merch.ShiningWizards.com will take you to our Pro Wrestling Tees store, where we've got over a dozen great designs from over 11 years of professional wrestling podcasting. You can become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash wizardspodcast, where each and every week we call out your name as one of our show producers, and the more you support us, the more things that you're entitled to receive, and believe me, they are fantastic. If you can't support us monetarily, if you don't shop at Amazon, that's absolutely fine. Continue to listen to us wherever you listen to us on the World Wide Web, and make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Doesn't cost you anything, helps us out, and we can continue to bring you the love fest that is is the Shining Wizards. What's up, folks? It's your boy, the Impact Player, Mr. Philly Ray, inviting all of you to check out the Turnbuckle Throwbacks Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we cover all things current in the world of pro wrestling, as well as paying homage to the old school, the squared circle. So listen in and find out why we are the recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment broadcasting. Find us on all social media platforms and anywhere you get your podcast from. And as always, we are the proudest members of the Shining Wizards Network and Rant Entertainment Media. Are you tired of being lied to every day by the mainstream media? Do you want to know what's really going on in the world? Do you want to make up your own mind about things and not be told what to think or say? Then listen to Inconclusive Breakdown, a weekly anti-PC look at the world of entertainment and current events brought to you without censorship or filters. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts, BitChute, and on ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. And also, we're a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network. Got 30 minutes to kill? Come check out 30 Screams or Less, where we review a horror movie in 30 minutes or less. We cover new movies and old ones, too. We'll give our honest thoughts on the movie, good or shit, as well as a rating of each one that we watch. New episodes weekly available on the Shining Wizards Network and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Steve. And I'm Corey. Come check us out at 30 Screams or Less. G'day guys, my name is Thomas, one half of the Broadcast Podcast. With our podcast, we go back and watch wrestling events from WWE, WWF, WCW, ECW, AEW, and many other wrestling promotions. You can check us out on Twitter at The Broadcast, that's T-H-E-B-R-O-K-A-S-T, and you can also download all episodes on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, and many other podcast apps. you like your music heavy then check out radioactive metal on the shining wizards network for over 16 years now radioactive metal has been one of the longest running podcasts over the years we've interviewed some legendary metal acts had some awesome discussions and cranked a hell of a lot of tunes so join your cool uncle snowy and his co-host aaron for the audio mosh pit that is radioactive metal here on the Shining Wizards Network. Well, the action is underway! What's up, everyone? When on the Shining Wizards Network, 
Be sure to check out Wrestling Night in Canada. If we're not recording another kick-ass podcast. Or playing in punk bands. Or recording kick-ass heavy metal albums. Then we're sitting back, we're grabbing a couple brews and going over everything to do in the world of pro wrestling. Because we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. The Mark Order Podcast is the only show you need if you're looking for dedicated coverage of everything AEW on the Shining Wizards Network. Join us live on YouTube every Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern after Dynamite. If you can't join us live, listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all social channels at MarkOrderPod and use the hashtag JoinTheMarkOrder because if you don't find us, we will find you. I'm Kevin Rowe. I'm Al Day. And we're a couple of down-under pounders that co-host an action figure collecting podcast where we talk about, well, just about anything that tickles our fancy at any given moment. We're grumpy old men, and sometimes people get on our nerves, and if you get on our nerves, guess what? You get off the lawn. Get off my lawn, asshole! We also go on a little bit of a mission. We go back and we're grading every wrestling figure line that's out there. I'm talking LJMs. I'm talking Jacks. I'm talking Hasbros. Who doesn't like a little Hulk Plex? It's a Gorilla Brain Wrestling Podcast production found on the Shining Wizards Network. I'm Duke Bags. Kevin Rowe! And together we are the co-hosts of your Duke and Rowe. If you want to hear about some terrible wrestling shows, we got you covered. Well, we talk about good ones, too. We're currently talking about the death of Dungeons and Dungeons. I know what we're fucking talking about! Sometimes we get uh, guest spots, like from the Taskmaster. I like to uh, I like to listen to the Year of Duke and Rope podcast. They're uh, funny guys. That, uh, I like when they... I like when they talk about the, the, the Nards Plows. I like Nards Plows. That's, uh, that's a good move. And uh, I like the Dungeon of Doom. You know, sometimes, sometimes I, I call my butt the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Oklahoma. Let me tell you a little bit about my favorite wrestling podcast. All right. It's a podcast for two men. Two men. Duke Banks, Kevin Rowe. They talk about professional wrestling. It's a man's sport. All right, and who better to talk about a man's sport than to Oklahoma. And once in a while, Vince Russo stops by. Oh, you piece of shit! If you're not listening to the You're a Duke and Rogue podcast in the back with the boys, you piece of shit, I don't know what you're doing. It's, uh, you gotta slide one in there. If you're a man, if you're a man, you're talking about something only a man can Bro, take the time to slide one in there. All right, bro, you piece of shit. Slide one in there. A Gorilla Brain Wrestling podcast production that you can find on the Shining Wizards Network. All right, we're back here on the Mark Order podcast, part of the Shining Wizards Network. Here, now on Turkey Day. Uh, So happy Thanksgiving, gentlemen. Uh, but we're going to get into dynamite, the fallout from full gear. Uh, but really quick. Whoa, sorry. I heard myself feeding back. Um, 
But uh, first, we want to just remind you, you can find us on our socials at Mark Order Pod X, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all those places. And please, we're trying to get our YouTube subscribers up. We're trying to hit a 500 benchmark. So um, if you haven't, check us out on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button and help us out. It did come out Monday night uh, on the Wizards 12-year anniversary show that we are doing 500 wins a date with Kate. Uh, Somebody did throw out uh, 10,000 gets uh, her hand in marriage. I kind of like that. We need to flesh that one out a little bit. But um, make sure you subscribe uh, so you uh, can see all of our shows and so that we know you support us. That's a free way to support us. And if you'd like to support us monetarily, head on over to our Pro Wrestling Tea Store. Um, you can go over to our uh, link tree in any of our social bios. Hit the button to go to our store, or you can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash pod. Or search the Mark Order podcast on Pro Wrestling Tees. You can see there is a uh, Black Friday sale going on right now. Save up to 50% off on specific merchandise. You can go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Black Friday for all the details there. I believe our shirts are 20% off. No coupon codes needed. So head over to the store and you can pick out one of our four fine shirts. Two front prints, two double-sided. Uh, I personally love the two mics. Uh, so check them out. Uh, we thank anybody who's already bought a shirt from us. We appreciate it. And to anybody else who's going to buy a shirt, thank you in advance. The money you spend there comes back to help us put this show on. So gentlemen, let's move into, um, let's move into discussing tonight's show. Um, tonight, uh, they started the continental, uh, the continental classic tournament, uh, and they had earlier in the day, I didn't get to watch it cause I was working, but they did have a selection special that's now on YouTube. We found out there, um, that there are going to be basically two pools, uh, a blue league and a, uh, gold league, uh, in the blue league, there is, um, Brian Danielson, Andrade El Idolo, Brody King, Claudio Castagnoli, Daniel Garcia, and Eddie Kingston. Uh, in the Gold League, you have John Moxley, Swerve Strickland, Roosh, Mark Briscoe, Jay Lethal, and Jay White. Um, let's not forget, it is a round-robin tournament. The rules are as follows. Each match has a 20-minute time limit, three points for a win, one point for a draw, and everyone is banned from ringside. So tonight, they started out uh, with Roosh versus Jay White. Swerve Strickland versus Jay Lethal, John Moxley versus Mark Briscoe. We'll talk about those here shortly. All of those gold bracket or gold pool matches. And then Saturday on Collision, the Blue League is kicking off with Daniel Garcia versus Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston versus Brody King. Should also be noted that Saturday night, uh, you're going to get three hours of AEW. Rampage will be live at 7 p.m. and then it will lead into Collision at its normal time. Eight o'clock. So, all that being said, let's jump into Dynamite. Um, and uh, they uh, go right into our first Continental Classic match. Uh, so clearly, nobody has any points yet. Jay Lethal versus Swerve. Uh, and as we get through the match, uh, Swerve is clearly over. He comes out to a huge Swerve's house from the crowd. 
Uh, no Prince Nana because he's banned from ringside. He didn't even make the entrance. Uh, but who knows? He could still be um, healing from uh, the, the uh, table bump he took. So who knows? But uh, Swerve is able to win by pinfall with the Swerve Stomp to earn three points. And Jay Lethal will get nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, so um, let's go. I don't know. Who wants to start out? What do we think of this match? I thought it was fantastic. Ryan? I'll go. Go. Jump in. Uh, this match was fantastic. I mean, Jay Lethal, all what other issues aside, and his permanent team up with Jeff Jarrett uh, being annoying. He is a very good wrestler. So you put him in the ring against another very good wrestler and you're going to have a great match. And this is where I'm saying like Swerve, you can see how, how next level he is when it's just Swerve's house. Like they're just constantly chanting, you know, it's his house. And it's just such a great moment. And Swerve looked beat up, which was a very good touch. Um, th- This was, this was, Hold on, I got stopped because Gordon Post actually said what I was thinking when you said you get nothing. You lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. From Willy Wonka. Harsh. No, I know. Uh, uh, so this was a great way to kick off the tournament because you you had two really good guys and a lot of fun. And clearly Swerve is going to be a big part of this and a big player in this tournament. So I have them going all the way. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Ryan liked it. Joe, what do you think here? Ryan liked it and paint me shot. Um Dare you. It's good sir. <laughs> uh first of all, I want to say it's not Thanksgiving for me yet, so a little premature. Oh um, my apologies, I forgot. And second, uh if K gets married with ten thousand subscribers, I wonder if we can make that happen if we if she can exchange her vows on the stage of collision. I think that's the perfect place for her. Oh my God! She knows some people. She can probably make that happen. We can get that to happen. But um, the match itself, was, you know, it was good. Jay Jay does his role well. Where as he's older now, he's just that solid veteran who you can beat and get some incredible wins over. Uh, Swerve is the hot hand, so having him open the show was a good call, and you know, the right man won. So. I no complaint from me. Yeah, really good match. Good way to open up this tournament. Uh, and we'll see what's next uh, for both these guys. Uh, but up next, we get Orange Cassidy, Hook, and Shibata interviewed backstage by the remarkable Renee Paquette. And Wheeler Yuta quickly interrupts to congratulate Cassidy on his big victory. And he says he hasn't forgotten about Shibata and his pure title with him walking around with it. And he tells him to watch his match this week on Ring of Honor because he will take his title back. And Renee had asked initially Orange about an announcement he wanted to make. But uh, she tells him, you know, he says, wait, I have an announcement. And Renee says, well, we're out of time. So we move on. So I don't know. I don't really have anything to say about this besides okay, Wheeler, like, you know, do your thing. But then we go back to the ring and MJF and Adam Cole enter MJF with his cane. 
uh, and Adam with the crutches. They get in the ring. MJF sets the chair up for his buddy and gets a microphone for them. And he wants his music cut. He says he sounds hoarse because he was drinking a lot of beers last night. And he wants to get deep with a lot of the girls here. And he says the devil has arrived in Chicago. He talks about beating Jay White with uh, one leg and says that he learned that he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. That's a fact. However, nobody's on the level of the devil. And he's now the AEW world champion with the most title defenses, the youngest, the longest reigning, and the most humble. And he thinks he's earned the right to toot his own horn and says, you're looking at the greatest AEW champion of all time. None of that's possible without his bro Chacho for life, Adam Cole. And Adam Cole starts up story time and says it's great to be back in Chicago with his good friend Max, still Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions, with a little bit of help from Smojo, but with good news comes bad because his ankle is in really bad shape. He said he can't walk, let alone wrestle, but he's going to work his ass off every day until he's back at 100% in AEW. And he's worried about Max because he can't be by his side and the whole locker room is gunning for him. But MJF tells him he doesn't need to worry because he's going to find the man behind the mask. And uh, the hell that he sends him to is going to feel like heaven. But the lights go out and we see the pixelated screen and then the devil comes through laughing with his voice modulated a little bit. And then the lights come back on in the arena. And Samoa Joe makes his entrance. And he talks about helping MJF defend the tag titles and the price he intends to exact on MJF. But Max tells Joe to take a step back because his breath smells like a cat's ass, I think. They were beeping him a lot. And he says he thought long and hard about his deal and has come up with a reasonable, mature response. And he said, blow me. You could clearly see him say, blow me. They did not air that on television. I laughed pretty hard at that one. And that's when uh, Samoa Joe uh, gets him to back into the ropes. But Cole begs Joe to let him talk to Max. And Cole says Max tells Max he can't do it. The new MJF, the guy who's his best friend, is a man of his word. And he's fought Samoa Joe many times and survived by the skin of his teeth and People love Max because when he says something will happen, it happens. And he promised Joe a little shot, a title shot. So he should be a man of his word. So Friedman does say he wouldn't be the first Ring of Honor legend he's beaten in Chicago uh, twice. So how about having the match right here, right now? But Joe refuses. And he says he doesn't want to hear excuses from Max about not being 100%. And he wants the real MJF, the man who he says he is. And by world's end, Max should be nice and chipper and ready to go. So MJF accepts, but he pulls Samoa Joe in and has something to explain to him. Wrestling Max in Long Island is about as bright as chopping his uh, uh, shopping head from an alligator. By the way he's looking, he imagines Joe doesn't have many options. Uh, but Samoa Joe says he knows what this is. And he's good at picking fights. But from now on, Max is Joe's property. People don't touch Joe's property without his say. So he's going to be a few steps behind Max. He'll deliver the very best MJF to Nassau Coliseum, beat him unmerciful, 
strangle him unconscious, and beat him in front of his friends, family, and everyone he knows. So gentlemen, a lot here to digest. The first thing I want to say is this is where I think we get Adam Cole sort of maybe off TV to rehab a little bit, right? Like now you sort of have Joe in that bro chacho role, but not really friends, just making sure he gets where he needs to go safe because Adam Cole can't help him. I also think because of what Adam Cole said, there's probably something that's going to happen with these Ring of Honor tag titles. Maybe they're going to take them off of them or maybe have another match, you know, for those titles and MJF can't find somebody and maybe loses. I don't know. But it just seems to me like because they made this announcement, something's going to happen with those tag titles and they're coming off of sooner rather than later. But I do like that they set this up well in advance. And by well in advance, you know, uh, you know, a month out from the pay-per-view is pretty good because sometimes they haven't told us until like a week before. So um, I don't mind this. I thought Max was pretty funny here. So uh, I don't have any problems. It's clearly setting up for what's to come. Um, Joe, anything you want to add here about uh, the promo? No, I think the thing that we've learned now is from the pay-per-view to tonight is Samoa Joe is really just an honorable guy. He's a stand-up guy. He just wants to, he's looking out for Max. Um, no, a lesser person would want to jump him and take advantage of his injury, but no, he wants him healthy. And um, hopefully they can kind of do this little odd couple thing for the next few weeks and MJF doesn't have to wrestle too much so they can keep him healthy. But uh, yeah, I, I I can't fault Joe for, for being a stand-up guy. Yeah, no fault there. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Um, All you guys said was fine, so I'm going to get to one point. Everyone heard the devil laugh, right? Yep. And we're all we all heard Jungle Boy, right? <clears throat> Could be. I mean, it was distorted, but it sounded like Jungle Boy. But everybody's being really tight-lipped about it, so I don't know. Could be Jungle Boy, but that would be Jungle Boy's persona. I'm just saying, it it sounded like Jungle Boy to me. Well, it definitely could be. It could be somebody too who we is not even there yet. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like, um, let's just say it is, um, you know, it's Dolph Ziggler, right? Maybe they have their eyes on him. They have something sort of there, but he can't compete. They're using a stand-in, you know, until he can get back. It's going to be what it's going to be. If it's Jungle Boy, it's Jungle Boy. I'll see how it plays out. But you knew they weren't. If it's Jungle Boy, they weren't going to bring him out in Chicago. No. No goddamn way. Not a chance. I mean, though, if you're trying to make him a heel. Yeah. I don't want to be Jungle Boy. I really don't. That's almost up there with, like, Ric Flair as Black Scorpion for me. By the way, speaking of Ric Flair... I don't know how I forgot to mention it. Uh, show tonight was brought to you by Woo Energy Drink. 
I put it out there on Twitter. First of all, they don't have it. Or I'm sorry, I put it out on X. I want to be right for Elon. Um, X won't give it to you. I first of all can't believe that Woo Energy doesn't have an X account. But I definitely think we need to figure out a way for them to send us some product so that we can all try it out here live on the air. Like, slam that shit hard right before we start. Maybe even as we're talking bullshit and then go straight into wrestling and see if that woo energy carries us all the way. We would be the most styling and profiling podcast to cover AEW wrestling. Oh my God. I mean... What was the tagline they threw out at one point? It, to be the man, you've got to, you've got to be the can. Something stupid like that. But I still want to drink. Got to try it. Ryan is already pretty styling and profiling, but yes, give him some I'm, of that I'm woo energy. Styling and profiling, and I, and I don't need a woo energy drink. More like boo energy drink. We oh, could God. be wheeling, dealing, woo energy swilling fellas. Oh. My God, we're writing the ads for them here live on the air. I mean, send us some product, woo. We'll drink it. We'll shill it, even if it's garbage. I hope they sell them in four packs. Oh, my God, please. Four packs. Get your four horsemen pack of woo energy drink, please. This writes itself. Anyway. Let's get back to Dynamite because we come back from commercial and we're going into our trios match of the night. It's 2.0 with Jake Hager versus Hook, Shibata, and Orange Cassidy. But Orange Cassidy, before we start, asks the crowd to quiet down because he has a Thanksgiving surprise. And on the screen, it's a Dan Housen video package. He says to put your masks on and then the music hits and Dan Housen is back. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's the devil, but who knows? He could have just taken the devil mask off and then went out to the ring. I'm still holding out hope. Somehow it's Dan Housen. Anyway, cutting to the end of this match, Hook and uh, Hook, Shibata, Orange, Cassidy win by submission with the red rum from Hook on Angelo Parker. Um... I did enjoy the moment at the end where Dan Housen got onto the apron and he uh, showed Jake Hager that he had the hat and he put it on and that pissed Jake Hager off. He cursed Jake Hager and that sort of gave the opening for the faces to get the win. Um, Schlong, what'd you think about this? You think about that? Now you know how I feel. Um, match was fine. I uh, nothing special about the match, to be quite honest. The Danhausen return, however, I just want to say, and I put this out on Twitter, and I'm still calling it Twitter. Uh, a man drinks blood, and then suddenly Danhausen is back. Coincidence? Mm-hmm. Interesting take, Ryan. Didn't think about that. Love it, Joe. Oh, yeah. Joe, what are your thoughts? I'm glad Dan Housen's back. Um, long overdue. I thought we would get a little bit more um, of a of you know a reappearance by him, other than just Orange Cassidy just mm-hmm. randomly announcing it. So I don't know. 
if they never really had an original plan for her debut or his you know, return or not. But I, I was hoping it'd be a little bit bigger than what it was. Um, and I hope that they do something more with him besides just being outside father for Orange Cassie and best friends. I want him, I want Dan House to feel a little bit more important than just have a, a comedic thing on the outside. I, I agree. And he'd even be another guy, Joe, where I'd be like, you can give him one of the belts in Ring of Honor. Like he's, you know, he came through Ring of Honor before they closed, right? I mean, I'd even let them put something on him in Ring of Honor and let him wrestle in Ring of Honor for a little bit. But I'm with you. I just want to see Dan Housen do more than just be on the outside of the ring. So we go backstage again with the absolutely stunning... Renee Paquette, and she's interviewing Adam Cole, but Roddy and the Kingdom roll up, and Roddy asks, what was up on Friday? But Cole tells him to shut up or knock it off. Leave him alone. He says, we're not best friends. And he he walks off, but Roddy's there saying, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean it. And they go to break. So we're still, I don't think we need to break this down at all, but we're still, Roddy's still in denial. Adam Cole seems to have fully sort of separated himself from Roddy. I did, however, enjoy Roddy's shirt, which had Adam in big letters across the front of it with a little hospital bracelet underneath it. I thought that was fantastic. So moving on, there's some hype up from about Will Ospreay coming in and then the patriarchy make their entrance uh, and Christian Cage grabs the mic. He does remind everybody um that when he's conducting business you know what to do and if you don't know that means you know you're supposed to shut the hell up so he says everyone knows a true champion is gracious in victory but humble in defeat we all know this past saturday didn't go their way and in honesty in all honesty and sincerity he didn't lose the match nick wayne didn't lose the match luchasaurus lost that match and it is unacceptable to Zaddy Christian. So how does he get rid of the stench of defeat? He says, since they're both his children, it's time that he recreated them both in his image. And he tells Luchasaurus to take a knee. The big man does hesitate. So Christian tells him again to take a knee. And then he finally does get down. And Christian says that the name Luchasaurus is associated with being a loser. And he thought long and hard about his name and came up with a name of strength, a name of toughness, certain victory, a name that has served Christian well, his finisher. So from here on out, Luchasaurus will be known as Killswitch. Now, Nick Wayne takes a knee before Christian asks him to, and Christian tells him, to get back on his feet, never to get on his knees for another person because he's different and he's special. And he's the son he always wanted. He's his golden boy. So he tells Nick that he loves him and that he is his golden boy. And he'll forever be known as the prodigy Nick Wayne. And that's what brings Nick Wayne's mom out to the ring. And, um, uh, and, Christian uh, starts to cut her off from talking to Nick, 
he calls her a terrible mother. Maybe she loves Nick unconditionally, but it, that's not really good enough. She said he said he couldn't provide for her on forty thousand dollars a year as a waitress, and that's embarrassing. Christian's a legend and a champion, and he can give Wayne uh, everything in the world that he wants. And it's a good thing that her husband is dead already. He said Wayne would have disavowed his father for never being as good as Christian. And, and Buddy Wayne was neither the man nor the father that Christian is. And it's sad it came to this because if she played her cards right, it could have been different. And he wants her to get the hell out of his ring now. But Killswitch, or Luchasaurus, whatever we're calling him, steps between Christian and Wayne's Nick Wayne's mom. So Christian tells him to get out, get on his knees again, but the dinosaur refuses. Christian slaps him across the face. And then Cage demands that he gets on his knees before he makes him uh, take his mask off to show the world how hideous, hideous he really is. But Luchasaurus does refuse. So Christian shoves him and he hits Nick Wayne's mom. So Cage tells Nick Wayne to go under the ring to get a chair. He slides one into the ring, grabs a second one, and that's when Christian sets up his mom for a concerto. And then he hesitates before giving the chair to Lucha Killswitch and orders him to do it. So the dinosaur does hesitate, and that's when Adam Copeland comes out to make the save. He spears Nick Wayne, big boots to Lucha Killswitch. And then the big man pulls Christian out of the ring to save him from Adam Copeland's wrath. But Adam Copeland spears Nick for a second time. And as he uh, follows him up with an impaler DDT, uh, he sets up uh, Nick Wayne and hits the concerto. Uh, and um, we're clearly not settled between Adam Copeland and Christian. Now, gentlemen, I will say this. Christian got me pretty good on a couple of points of this segment. Christian's doing great work. Here's what they're missing. They're missing all of the tie-ins with their attire. This was a rechristening. Put them in a christening dress or robe or something. Don't stare at me like that, Ryan. You know, like when you get christened, it's called a dress or a robe or whatever. You wear like a little thing. I was a baby. I don't remember. It was a dress. I guarantee it. Um. Anyway. I thought this was crazy off the rails commentary, you know, played it up great that Christian is, uh, has lost it. Um, so I thought this was a good segment and we're still clearly setting up one-on-one -on -one Christian and, uh, Adam Copeland. So we're going to get there maybe at world's end. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Joe, anything you want to say about this segment? Other than, I thought I was <clears throat> interested to see if the newly named Kill Switch would engage in the concerto. But um, I, I'm also interested to see what happens with Nick Wayne's mother and all this. Her acting hasn't gotten any better. Her acting is still very soap opera. Very but true. having watched Adam Copeland concerto her son, you know, Where's that go? And also, the the little continued seeds of dissension between Nick and Luchasaurus or Kill Switch, whoever, um, and Christian. It, it's just kind of an interesting 
thread to unravel the turtleneck that is the patriarchy. Well, it's interesting to see what's going to happen here with the patriarchy. Um, but I will say this, uh, the, uh, mini money, uh, is going to be happy to see that maybe Luchasaurus still does have some good in him. He it's did. Like any money was right. He did say there's still some good in him. So we'll see. Ryan, what'd you think of this? I mean, the segment was great. Christian is hilarious. I didn't lose. No, you ran away. Nick didn't lose. Luchasaurus. And then to name him Kill Switch, the name of your finisher. And Luchasaurus reacted great because Luchasaurus acted mad and humiliated, which is what you want because it's like it's silly. But then for Nick Wing to not care about his mom was just like, wow, you really are uh, something special and something evil. I'm enjoying the whole thing. Uh, Christian is just on another level right now. It's just wild, the shit he says. And it has to be okay. You know what I mean? Like, he's not just going to throw out all these lines about, you know, Nick Wayne's dead dad in front of his, you know, his widow and his son. You know what I mean? Like, it's wild. Um, and I'd rather be named Killswitch than Unprettier. That's true. Somebody in the 1LT photo did say, uh, in the chat, how do you pass up on him, Cage, not renaming Nick, Nicholas Cage? I mean, that is a pretty good one, 1LT. Not the bees, not the bees. No. Guys, we go backstage with uh, 2.0 and Jake Hager uh, and Anna J being interviewed by the lovely Renee Paquette. She's very busy tonight. The boys are angry and confused about um, about the bucket hat and everything else that happened earlier, but Anna Jay wants to focus on her. She says she just wants to wrestle. She's tired of everything else and doesn't know if 2.0 are here to hurt or help. But tonight she's going to help herself and hurt someone else. She also catches Cool Hand Ange catching a phone call or something from Ruby Soho. So there's that whole story going on as well. A simple build-up to tonight, possibly breaking this all up. So we'll see what happens as we get to the women's match. But let's move on to our next Continental Classic Gold League match. Uh, we get, uh, I'll just do it. We get the Switchblade, Jay White versus Roosh. And as we break down uh, in this match, well, it should be noted that uh, the Ass Boys do come out at the start of this match, make their way all the way to the ring. And Paul Turner throws them out because they are banned from ringside. Um, so it is just Jay white and Roosh. Jay white does win by pinfall with the blade runner to earn his three points. And then we go to break. Uh, so Jay white coming out of the loss Saturday, looking, uh, strong against Roosh. Uh, he does cheat to win. Does the heel move? He hits him with a low blow. Uh, and then hits the Blade Runner. Uh, but I thought this match was highly entertaining and hard-hitting. And if you don't think you're getting that out of Roosh, I don't know what you're watching. But, uh, Ryan, what would you think of the, about this Continental Classic match? This was, I mean, Roosh is great. Switchblade's great. This, to me, is their attempt to, they're going to use this tournament to kind of rebuild Switchblade a little bit. He, I don't think he'll win it, but I think he'll get enough wins out of it where, 
all concerns of him being buried are gone. Uh, not sure I love that it starts against Roosh. I, I want to see Roosh get some wins. But then again, Roosh is also a, uh, a worthwhile win. So there's value to beating him. So plus, you know, there's pluses and minuses, but it was a great match. I mean, this is what the tournament's going to give us is a lot of really good matches. Yeah. And, and, you know, also the fact that it's round Robin, right? Like, you know, it's okay. Roosh loses this one. He can get a win somewhere else down the line. I don't think we're going to see many people maybe get go losses straight across the board. Um, but you know, who knows how they're going to play it out. Uh, Joe, what do you think here? Yeah, it's a good way to build to keep Jay strong after him losing to a one-legged MJF. So people who thought that he had gotten he had gotten buried, um, you know, having this win over a, a you know a legitimate strong, tough competitor like Roosh, I think that really helps reestablish him. Um, not necessarily reestablish, but like re- remind people that Jay White is still a bad man and um, is a threat. So. Uh, and like you said, having round Robin, I don't think anyone who loses in this in these opening matches are hurt by anything because, like you said, they're, they're going to get wins. Um, and some of the you know, other guys who are winning right now, they're going to take a loss. So uh, no one really gets hurt by this. And all the fans win from watching all these matches. Yeah, it's a great way to keep eyes on the product, you know, through the end of the year here. So. Ryan, maybe it's going to do for AEW what the uh, the in-season tournament won't do for the NBA. Just saying. This actually has stakes. That's true. It does. Back from commercial, they give us a video package of what happened in the ladder match for the tag team titles at full gear, and they did show that um, backstage after the pay-per-view, Big Bill and Ricky Starks attack Chris Jericho uh, and his arm that he does give the um, the Judas effect with. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but the Golden Jets do hold that title shot. So they will get it somewhere down the line. However, we do get RJ City and the wonderful Renee Paquette on stage to present the AEW Women's World Championship to Tony Storm as if it was an Oscar uh, ceremony, and they announced that the winner is Tony. And they show Tony Storm sitting ringside, amazed that she that her name was called. So she makes her way up the stage. She does trip and come out of her shoes, um, and she does give a, a speech. Um, uh, Mariah May does bring out the title belt. And Tony Storm says that she didn't have anything prepared, unfolds a giant piece of paper. She thanks Anthony Khan and the wonderful people at Warner Discovery, especially Jeff Warner, whoever trained her, Hikaru Shida, the women in the locker room, the fans, and the little Tony Storms out there who want to be her, but never will be. She said it's her spot. You will not take it. Please stay in school. Maybe learn to trade. A thank you. And then Sky Blue interrupts the celebration to make her entrance to the ring for the la- the ladies' match, and they go to break. Guys, I don't know if there's much we have to say here about Tony Storm besides this is just this is the insanity I think we want to see out of her with her title reign. Um, this was perfect. Perfect. I will say this though: the one thing that I would like to call out 
is when Mariah May was standing there and Tony Storm said uh, to the little girls, you'll never be me, stay in school, learn a trade. Mariah May looked really sort of turned, like her face turned at that. She looked a little upset, not angry, but like, I don't know how to take this. So maybe, you know, there's that little wedge that's going to turn Mariah May from a Tony Storm fan into a Tony Storm hater, and she's going to want to go for that belt. Really good stuff for me. But Ryan, I didn't mean to step on you there. I wanted to call that out before we got too far. Ryan, you said you love this, so I want you to continue to, to doing it like an Emmy or an Oscar, and then having her in the crowd. So it's like she won it. And I have nothing prepared, but she pulls out this list and then she starts calling out the little Tonys and the little girl in the crowd that couldn't look more bored of Tony Storm, which was actually perfect for this because that's the whole point. And then her face when she got interrupted by Sky Blue of being like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? She said it all with one face. It was it was absolutely perfect. Joe, what do you think about Tony Storm here and the possibility of Mariah May not being as smitten with her as she is? I think that will be a fun story to watch unfold. Um, it'll be kind of like a a, a time of Tony soap opera, you know, of ups and downs, and then a resolution between the two of you know what happens between them, but. I've I've enjoyed the presentation of this. I enjoyed the the music playing to play her off early on. Um, it it she keeps hitting home runs with this character and with the presentation. So every week is fun to see what's next. Just great work out of everybody with what's going on with Tony Storm. The black and white switches, the characters, everything has been going well. Uh, so we'll see what's next up for Tony. But we go to our women's match of the night, the trip, uh, the three-way match, Anna Jay versus Ruby Soho versus Sky Blue. Nothing at stake here, uh, maybe except a, a good win for somebody to maybe to have a title shot somewhere, TBS or championship down the line. But um, throughout the match, uh, especially close to the end, uh, Ruby Soho and Angelo Parker are getting a little more and more smitten with each other. Um, and at one point they're sort of walking towards each other, talking outside the ring, uh, cool, uh, daddy magic steps in between and then Soraya steps in between and they're yelling at each other and daddy magic saying, we got to figure this out. And then at the end again, Ruby Soho's on the, on the apron, uh, and gets knocked off. Angelo catches her. So she's in Angelo's arms. But Soraya pulls her off by the hair. Um, and now they're arguing on the outside. So Sky Blue hits a super kick into the fireman's carry um, to hit a TKO on Anna Jay to get the win. Ruby Soho was too busy arguing, couldn't make the save in time. So Sky Blue gets a big win here, maybe to, to get her back up after the loss that she ate on Saturday. Um, now, I didn't necessarily have a problem with this match. Um, I like this continued story with Cool Hand Ange and Ruby Soho. I think we're going to split up uh, the outcast because they're pretty much already split up without Tony Storm. 
Uh, I think we're going to maybe put cool hand and with Ruby and break up 2.0 and that whole thing. Uh, so I don't, I don't necessarily mind any of that. And the match was certainly uh, serviceable. So I think this was another good spot for the women after a strong Saturday showing uh, and two title changes. Um, Joe, anything you want to add about this match? No, I, I, I don't know why Saraya hates love so much. Uh, it, just, it feels very, you know, overbearing parents and their kids. Very, um, you know, Romeo and Juliet. I don't know who's the Montague and who's the Capulet, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad they're going to finally split up the outcast that is already split up. I was gonna, I was gonna say they very star star crossed lovers situation going on. Uh, Schlong, what did you think about this? Match itself was 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 pretty decent. Um. I'm glad Sky Blue got the win. I think she needs it for the story she's telling, especially if you're going to come out and interrupt Tony Storm, then you need the victory. Uh, Anna Jay's clearly in a different story with the fall of the JAS, and Ruby's in a story with kind of crossed with that, but a little different. Uh, I will say I love love, so I'm all about those two falling in love. Uh, it did take away a little bit from the match. I wouldn't, with so few women's matches, sometimes that's rough, but also it's the only time you could tell the story. So I'm just going to embrace that I love love. Ryan loves love. Love, love. Loves love. Um, all right. And let's move on to, boy, a busy night for the, uh, what haven't I used yet? I think I haven't used the lovely Renee Paquette. She's interviewing Wardlow backstage. He reminds us that the devil is going down on his time uh, when AR Fox uh, rolls up to say that Wardlow's been blaming everyone else for his troubles, and he gets it. He did the same with Darby. But Wardlow cuts him off and says he doesn't need advice from anyone and then drops AR Fox with a headbutt. So I think we're going to get AR Fox Wardlow probably on Collision or Rampage. That's probably what we're lining up. Not too much to add here besides Wardlow uh, lifting weights with uh, backstage, uh, I don't know, something uh, for the stage. Uh, just Wardlow looking crazy. Uh, so if we do get Ward, Wardlow AR Fox, I'm looking to seeing uh, look. I'm looking forward to seeing Wardlow have sort of an extended match instead of more of these squashes. So I don't know if anybody else wants to add anything. There's really not too much else to Why add. Why is he curling just a random piece of equipment? Well, you know, you got to get it in whenever you can get it in, Ryan. So even if that wasn't like you know a hundred pounds, you know, you could do like you know. 25 rep, rep sets just to get your pump. You know what I mean? I don't think that's a good workout. Why I mean, I do, I do a hundred girls with light reps. I do, I do four sets of 25. No, it, 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 it's not light reps that I'm having issue with. It's randomly doing it random times so that your body's going in and out of being warmed up and stretched and not. And also there's no way that weight was evenly distributed. So you're trying to curl something with an uneven weight. Just doesn't seem healthy to me. I don't know. He looked pretty, pretty centered. I don't know. I have the same argument when LT photo made in the comments about why Statlander squats humans at random points. I don't get it. I don't know. Okay. You got to get your shit in, man. You got to get your pump on. You know what I'm saying? 
But yeah, I don't expect that Wardlow match to last very long with AR Fox. I think he's going to whoop that ass. Oh boy. Oh, well, poor AR Fox. Well, our main event of the evening was our final Continental Classic Gold League match. It was John Moxley versus Mark Briscoe. Uh, these two apparently had never met before one-on-one. Uh, so um, we were bound to see something. Now, this was very close to 10 o'clock. They did tell us they would stick around if this did go the full 20 minutes. They did wind up overrunning, what, 10 minutes? Um, between 5 and 10 minutes. Uh, and it wasn't scheduled, so they did uh, keep it on air. Uh, but John Moxley does win by pinfall with the Death Rider to earn three points post-match. Moxley calls Briscoe back into the ring to shake hands, you know, sign of respect. Uh, and then that is the end of the show. Uh, listen, I thought this match was really good for two guys who really haven't worked together. Um, and it's good to see Mark Briscoe being put in this position. Now he gets the loss, but I don't think he's, you know, I think he's going to get a couple wins throughout this tournament. Again, the bonus of being a, a round Robin, right? We see the same thing in new Japan. Uh, when they do the cup, you know, it's, uh, it's round robin. You could take losses. You know, Eddie Eddie caught a loss and and had additional matches. So uh, I didn't mind this. I thought it was a good match, uh, good showing by both guys, and of course blood because John Moxley. Uh, so uh, Joe, anything you want to say about this match? No, it's a pretty standard, uh, brutal John Moxley match. And uh, whenever he finds someone to to give it back to him it's always a, a very respectful beating if that can be a thing respectful beating um yeah i i, I think it was fine you're holding up the show and i like kind of the overrun to kind of give this tournament a little bit of um you know you don't know what's going to happen you have a 20 minute time draw but you know things can go beyond tv time and um it just gives it a little bit more excitement around it <clears throat> Schlong, what did you think? I liked that when they came back from commercial, they said uh, a bloody match here in uh, on Dynamite, and for once, it's not John Moxley, which I just thought was a nice. They get what people say. Um, totally. Yeah, this was this was a hard hitting match as expected between those two. Uh, Joe said it. it was nice to give it an overrun, made it feel important. The respect at the end was nice. I'm the the three matches for the tournament we got tonight made me very excited for this tournament. Each one felt different, but each one felt important. Each one the guys went all out. It, it really does. The only thing I will say about the tournament I meant to say it earlier, and I, I someone said it, and I forget who. So I'm sorry, not here or somewhere else. But um, they have to figure out a way to make those guys who are mathematically eliminated still want to compete. So they have to have like a secondary caught like reward, and I don't know what it is yet but they should think of something like maybe it lines you up for a title shot or something. Yeah. I, I, I'm kind of hoping, I kind of wish they would do almost like, you know, maybe they're going to fight background where if you get bounced, you have a chance to come back in and, you know, come through like a loser bracket type of thing. Um, I also kind of wish that maybe there was a way to have almost like a, a quarterfinal or semifinal match at world's end to make it feel almost like a, no, WrestleMania four situation where you have a tournament for the belt. Um, just because you know you're spending this month and a half long time or a month of time building this tournament, uh, it, it, to me it makes sense for that pay per view to be heavily dominated by 
matches that were impacted by this tournament. Yeah, they did say that the semifinals between the two pool winners will take place uh, the Dynamite before World's End. But I don't disagree with you, Joe. I, I do almost feel like that used to make things to me like the King of the Ring special was when the King of the Ring was the pay-per-view and it was just basically the tournament. Like there might have been one or two other matches mixed in. Maybe they they had the heavyweight, you know, the world championship or whatever uh, that was defended because I think they always did. But to have the full tournament in one night is fun. Now, obviously, this is around Robin, so you can't really do that. But um, yeah, I would. I I'm with you. I would feel like if you had more, um, more matches for the tournament at uh, at World's End, you know, it might add something. But you know what? I'm excited about this tournament. They raise the stakes. They set up good pools of talent, um, and I think there's a lot of you could look at almost anybody in both pools and be like, there's a case for them to win. You know what I mean? Like everybody has a shot. So all in all, a lot of fallout, uh, you know, a lot of things on this episode, um, you know, to, to sink our teeth into, we're clearly lining up for the world's end. They're making that an important show. Uh, so, um, so we'll keep our eye on this and see what happens next week. But before we wrap it up, we're going to go through a few things that just took place over the last week. Um, so um, recently, uh, Tony Khan, uh, you know, Tony Khan has these huge announcements, right? Um, and on the media call ahead of Full Gear, um, he was asked about his thought process behinding, behind making huge announcements. Things like how he decides when to do it and to what extent to hype them up. Um, and he uh, he said he thinks about those decisions all the time. Um, and it's about creating engagement. He said, it's something I weigh, uh, I weigh all the time because we have to announce matches and announce moments and announce huge things and signings. And sometimes you just try to do what feels right and create engagement. And that's something we've been able to do, whether it be on television or through social media. I think certainly we create a lot of awareness about All In 2024 by putting a lot of fanfare around the announcement and then putting it on television and getting a lot of eyes on it and conversation about it. And I think now there's a lot of awareness about December 1st, uh, our December 1st on sale. And I think we've been able to see uh, to use the TV and social media at times to get people excited. And then there's times when I like to keep people on their toes and I, uh, and it was fun to have something this past week on call uh, on collision that people were blown away by. And that's the continental classic, which people are really excited for. Um, so it's just funny to see him talk about, uh, Oh, people were talking about the on sale for 2024's, uh, you know, uh, all in. Yeah. It wasn't good, pal. Like that's the problem is that it wasn't good, but at least he thinks about it. So take that if for what so. <laughs> so guys, we talked a little bit too about the ring of honor TV title, uh, because Joe dropped it. We thought maybe that would be a better title to sort of lump into the continental classic, but it's not. Uh, so Tony Khan did, uh, drop by ring of honor TV to announce how they're going to crown a new TV champion. It's going to be a survival of the fittest match. 
and that's going to contain six competitors who are going to earn their way through qualifying victories. The format of the contest is elimination style with the last man standing deemed as the victor. Qualifying matches will air over the coming weeks on Ring of Honor TV with the grand finale to take place at Final Battle on December 15th. The field of competitors hasn't been revealed yet, but um, there could be names such as, you know, Mark Briscoe, Dalton Castle, Ethan Page. I don't know why, but Tony Nice, Shane Taylor, Christopher Daniels, Matt Seidel, Gravity, Commander, and Action Andretti. Uh, maybe some people think about, I guess, since they've been featured on uh, on Ring of Honor TV. So Survival of the Fittest, gentlemen, a little bit of a different style. Does that work? I'm in the no let it play out scenario. Well, we'll see. I guess they're trying to make it feel important again, but it's hard to do it after Joe just leaves it in the center of the fucking ring. So, uh, gentlemen, uh, wrestling revolver unreal, uh, happened on November 16th. Uh, that's Sammy Callahan's promotion. Um, and, uh, something that happened on that, uh, show was that Ronda Rousey's second ever pro wrestling match outside of WWE happened. She teamed with Marina Shafir to take on ring of honor women's uh, champion, Athena and, uh, Billy Starks. Uh, and, um, uh, after that match, uh, I believe Athena even, uh, attacked her. Um, uh, but it should be noted maybe i mean it's been out there it's it's sort of a spoiler but um ronda rousey uh debuted for ring of honor <laughs> this past week uh so um in california on november 17th they did uh collision and rampage but they did uh some taping for uh ring of honor and ronda rousey debuted uh apparently they paid for her music um and um she will be uh in action um this week on uh ring of honor television so um take that for what it will i don't believe she signed she doesn't say she wants to she she didn't say she wants to sign anywhere but um I guess it's pretty big as far as names of wrestlers that would step through the door, especially in ring of honor, not even like on TV TV. So, uh, the question I'm going to pose to you guys is one, I have two questions. One, do you think it's a big deal to have, uh, Ronda Rousey on ring of honor television? And two, if there was a way to have Ronda Rousey involved in AEW or Ring of Honor for any extended period, would that be of interest to you? Uh, I'm going to throw it to Ryan first because Joe looks like he is deep in thought. Uh, it's gr- it's great for Ring of Honor. I mean, I'm not a huge Ronda Rousey fan, but they're trying to get subscriptions, so great. She'll, she might get a few, but she's on a handshake deal, so God knows how long she's going to be there for. But that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you want to Boost some quick subscription. Sure. I don't want her on AEW though. And she's, she's not. No, no disagreements there. Joe, what's your take? I, I think it's going to be a short term thing where it's just 
the stars aligned where you're in LA near her home. Uh, she, she can team with her, one of her friends just for fun. Um, yeah, I don't think she wants to do anything long-term again. And, but having an RH is nice because it made RH feel special and different. Um, where RH needs some differentiators, uh, and not having this advertised ahead of time really before it happened was kind of fun as a surprise. But I don't think we don't need her in AEW or anything like that. I mean, I'm good without that. Yeah, no disagreement there, guys. I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to just be a contrarian. I agree with you. I don't need to see her on AEW television. Um, but I think for ring of honor, it's a, it's a nice little single match pickup, right? And it's a continuation of the story they were telling it, uh, you know, on the Indies. So, uh, and she's worked with all these people before, right? So I think Athena helped train her, um, uh, and, uh, she's worked with Marina. So, um, we'll see what happens, but you'll have to check out ring of honor television tomorrow or anytime after on honor club. And we talked about this a little before, uh, about the young bucks and sort of what's next for them. So, um, uh, it did come out on the 19th, uh, from Brandon Cutler, uh, that the young bucks are going to be stepping away from wrestling. His, uh, his, uh, post on X said, I'm being told that the young bucks will be taking some time away from wrestling. People close to Matt and Nick's camp are asking for privacy during this time. And that was then followed up, uh, on, uh, or, uh, yesterday by Brandon Cutler, um, posting that sources close to Matt and Nick are telling me that they have officially finished up with being the elite. Um, so the crazy thing is nobody really knows what's going on, right? Like this could be real stuff. It could be storyline stuff. Uh, they're throwing these hissy fits after losses. They take a lot of heat. Um, they are signed, you know, signed to extend, you know, long-term deals. So they're not going anywhere, but it is interesting to see sort of what they're playing out here. Uh, taking time away from wrestling, stopping being the elite or being done with being the elite. Um, it's interesting to see what they're doing. Um, you know, Ryan, you commented before about being the elite and the young bucks. Um, does this stuff intrigue you? I think you had mentioned before about them sort of being done with being the elite. That's why I wanted to throw it back to you first. This this is clearly all the work. Sure. But how long do you yes. let this go on? Not long, but you know, you could probably get through you need them there by uh, at world's end or whatever. Uh so you get through a couple weeks of this, but actually you might be able to get through the holidays without them because you have enough going on that they might survive, but no longer than that's a month. So no longer than a month, then I would get bored. I mean, it is, it is something to note that, um, what was it? I think the last time they appeared on BTE, was October 25th and there hasn't really been a full episode of BTE since earlier in October. Like they've just been posting up these short clips of things. So 
I don't know. Maybe BTE. Maybe they have run the course with BTE, but they're definitely not stepping away from wrestling for a while. No. No. Um, Joe, what do you think? What do you make of all this? Saying you know, that they stepped away from BTE, BTE is about as believable as you no know, Snoop saying he was done smoking. You know the whole like his gimmick of a commercial campaign. Uh, BTE is valuable for a lot of reasons, so definitely not done with that. Um, I get why they step away from the storyline. I'm hoping that they come back. I would like it if they could come back with a different look and feel. You know, like, what if they finally cut their hair? Maybe they have the shorter hair now. Maybe not the young bucks. Maybe they're just the bucks. And, you know, they, they don't, they're not the same, uh, you know, 80s and 90s looking ad team anymore. A little bit more uh, edgier and aggressive and um, their character just evolved a little bit more. I would, I think that'd be fun to see. What would you guys think if they, <clears throat> what would you guys think if they flipped the script like you're talking about, Joe, but they became almost like, and I'm not saying I want this, but they became like the almost like EVP role heels. Hmm. if it's done well who cares we've just seen it so many times it sort of worries me right like you had you know mr mcmahon right and then you had uh at one point i think uh like well triple h was corporate triple h right and you had i think stone cold doing the bidding for mr mcmahon at one point yeah you've never had it in AEW though true yeah, but does AEW need to do more WWE tropes? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, if they do it well. It'll be interesting just to see where they go with this. Um, but, you know, we'll see. The last thing I have is that uh, it should be noted uh, that there were uh, a couple of AEW wrestlers who have lost their gold at AAA's Guerra de Titans in Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua. Um, so, QT Marshall had held the AAA Latin American Championship uh, with pride, defending it all around the world. He broke the record for most defenses of the title. Um, and it looked like there was a story that they were trying to craft for future matches, but um, the run that he's had as the greatest wrestler of Latin America is over. Um, he did lose that to um, uh, Octagon Jr. Um, so QT no longer a champion. And then uh, Pentagon uh, got involved there uh, a little bit too. Um, so uh, that's sort of how that goes. And then um, Commander also lost his belt. Um, he was a double champion. Uh, and uh, he lost one of those belts. He teamed with Arez to defend the AAA World Tag Team Championship. Uh, they were dethroned by Sanson and Forastero of La Nueva Generacion Dinamita. Uh, Dinamita. My God, I can't speak Spanish. Um, and then in the main event, Hio uh, uh, del Vikingo retained his AAA Mega Championship over Drillistico. Uh, so, uh, a little bit of AEW action happening 
uh, south of the border. Uh, two of them lost belts. Poor QT. What is he going to do now? He was the best Latin, uh, wrestler in all of Latin America. So. I don't know, guys. We'll see what happens next for QT, but I know what's going to happen next for us. We are out of here and we are going to enjoy our Thanksgiving holiday tomorrow. And we hope that all of you who celebrate will as well. Before we get out of here, let's throw down some plugs. Joe, what would you like to plug tonight? Not much other than follow me on socials at underscore Asian Joe. And in my bio, you can find a link to my little hobby of serial review, serial reviews, where I have a little blog looking at a lot of uh, random, horribly bad, unhealthy cereals. I mean, who doesn't like bad, unhealthy cereals? Let's be serious. That's true. Uh, so check it out. Support Joe. Ryan, what do you want to plug? Uh, follow my history blog, hereforhistory.com, uh, on Twitter, underscore out here for history, and follow me on our socials at Mark Order Pod. Definitely support Ryan's history blog. Uh, check it out. If you are a history buff, it is certainly for you. Um, so please help Ryan out and read that blog. Uh, I got nothing, no blogs to promote. Uh, just make sure you're checking us out every Wednesday. Um, and of course, following us on socials at Mark Order Pod, X, Facebook, TikTok, uh, Instagram, all over at Mark Order Pod. Uh, if you go to any one of our socials, you can hit the link tree up and you can find all of our socials, all of the places where we're broadcasting our podcasts and our link to our YouTube. You can also find our uh, Pro Wrestling Tees store or you can go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkOrderPod or search the Mark Order Podcast on Pro Wrestling Tees. Don't forget, the Black Friday sale is going on until November 27th. That is Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Uh, you could save up to 50% off, no coupons needed, uh, full details on the percentages off and what you can get percentages off on specifically is at pro slash black Friday. Uh, but our shirts are 20% off. No coupon code is needed. You'll see it at checkout. So head over to our store. We've got four shirts, two front prints, two double-sided. Um, uh, and any money you spend there does come back to help us, uh, put on this wonderful show. Uh, because there are a few things that cost money for us to put uh, put into the production of this show. Uh, beyond that, uh, thank you everybody who has watched us live here tonight. One LT photo, Scott George, of course, Jesse Ozog, uh, Gordon Post was hanging out here, uh, chatting along a lot tonight. Uh, I also saw Slonamite checking checking in, uh, Pedro, uh, a whole cast of characters uh tonight so uh scott george as well so thank you guys SJ. for watching on live oh sj2 was early on my apologies sj our number one canadian fan uh so thank you guys for checking us out uh if you're listening in podcast form we thank you greatly as well uh if you guys are listening in podcast form please subscribe like rate review that stuff helps us out greatly in the podcast uh uh platforms uh, and if you've never checked us out on YouTube, head over there, check it out, subscribe. We're trying to get to 500. Don't forget, 500 wins a date with Kate. All expenses paid by Kate out of pocket. We've said that. Uh, we're still ironing out the details, but be assured we're working on it. Um, 
Other than that, if you really want to follow me personally at Ant Money on X, at Ant Money 247 on Instagram, you can check out what I'm doing. Uh, and uh, that's going to be it for us. Again, everybody out there, thank you for, for watching, for listening, for supporting us. Have a happy Thanksgiving to all those who celebrate. And you will find us back here next week to talk about everything AEW and the Continental Classic Tournament that so far we are liking. So check us out next week, same time on Wednesday nights here on the Shining Wizards Network. Have a safe, happy Thanksgiving to you, Asian Joe and Ryan as well. We'll talk to you guys. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. the Mark Order Podcast. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Join the Mark Order.